Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the priest world. Featuring the hosts, MC. He's going for gold. He's going this track. The Captain. If anyone knows me, I love 80s classic rubbish pop. Player. It's kind of interesting where he was at that point in any, any time. Virgin. The word I've got here circled is savvy. It's just savvy. And other special guests. Oh, I love it. Hello and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. We are back once again with another show and it's going to be ridiculously exciting. We're reviewing an album from the great 80s decade. Um, But before we get into all of that, let's introduce everyone as we normally do from left to right. Toe Jam. I think I want to dance. (laughs) Player. (laughs) Oh, silly man. That's not how it works. (laughs) And Captain. All the little babies sing around the world. <laughs> In a great Arabic accent there. Oh, what a start to the show. Uh, if you haven't figured it out already, we are reviewing the 1985 classic Around the World in a Day. The 25th um, anniversary. Yeah, the 25th anniversary of the album. That's right, Released player. on the 22nd of April, which is today, if you're listening to it on time. <laughs> Otherwise, you're late. Or we're late, one or the other. <laughs> so, yeah, a 25th out of a 25 years since Around the World in a Day was released, the album that came straight off the back of 1984's massive hit album, commercially, uh, Purple Rain. And, um, wow, this, this is going to be, I think, an exciting and very interesting discussion, if I can make an educated guess. So, um, before we go into the track by track, I thought we'll just maybe quickly spend a couple of minutes talking about, um, I guess the, you know, a- a- anything general about the album. And I just wanted to start with kind of the obvious, which which is you know mid eighties, um, right after Purple Rain, like we mentioned. And, nine and bef- months. Was it nine months? It really? It was only nine months. Wow. It was really quick. Yeah, that's it's crazy to think how much material they were recording and and the caliber of material that that they were producing at that time. Um, and when I say they, I mean Prince and obviously the Revolution um, band as well, uh, which are a key part of of this period and of this album in uh, in more ways than one, more ways than just being a band simply. But I I just wanted to to mention a quick kind of opinion that I, I had on this album and. This has been said in the press and in media and by fans and by non-fans, by a lot of people. It's not an original idea, but this is really the album, um, a lot of people seem to think, that separates, or did at that time, separate kind of casual, um, average Prince fans from the hardcore Prince, like the real, real fans. Still does, Um, I think. Yeah, and it, it's uh, yeah uh, that'll be interesting discussion. I think it's still maybe more than any other album uh, after after a commercial smash. Uh, this is the one to do it, and and really when you, <laughs> it's crazy when you think of the material on Purple Rain and the movie and and that whole era and the concerts, and then you just drop this. Vo- you know, if if you had vinyl in that era, which I didn't, but I can imagine people putting this 
um, putting this on, onto their record player and just hearing the first 15 seconds and being like hmm. shock horror, you know, <laughs> jaw dropped to the floor. Like, what, what is this? What the hell is this? I think is, they gave me the wrong bloody record. Yeah, is this that? Is this that new Prince album? This is Ravi Shankar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's yeah, it's a, it's a crazy release and. Uh, we we might get to this more when we um when we actually review the tracks, but I just wanted to straight up say that I think this is a very ballsy album. It has got just confidence and risk taking and eclecticism. I hope I said that right. Um, all over, uh, and a release that really not only polarized fans but polarized critics and. From my point of view, what it really did is cement Prince the artist versus Prince the pop, uh, you know, the pop musician or the pop singer or the pop performer. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts or if you guys want to go straight into the song. There by is song. so much to say about this album. It's just, I'm, just when you were talking, I thought of like five things I had to say. <laughs> it's just so many things. Um, this, yeah, this coming out after Purple Rain was weird because half the songs were recorded like be at the same time as the purple rain material so we already knew you know where he was heading you know like as in the next album mm. i mean and he, as much as he could have known yeah purple rain's a great album i don't think he ever could have guessed how huge it was going to be i mean that album was number one for six months that's yeah. insane but i mean it, when he recorded it i mean half the songs were done way before he got insanely huge so it's not like he he did, he did Purple Rain and then thought, okay, now I'm going to go this way because he was already halfway there. Mm. But he was in a he was in a no-win situation. If he did Purple Rain Part Two, everyone would have just got sick of him because they would have said, oh, this is just the same as Purple Rain. Exactly. And then, or he could have released this, which he did, which I think is the better move. But you know, oh, absolutely, the majority of people didn't see it that way. So I mean, all the the teeny boppers that he would have picked up with Purple Rain. Would yeah. have dropped off as soon as they heard this, which is, which according to him was fine, because this album was for him and like the diehard fans. Yeah, it wasn't to please all the the critics. Stuff the critics. What do they know? I think I think I remember that this album sold like three million copies in the first you know month or I don't know month or two. Yeah, and that was considered a disappointment after Purple Rain sold like thirty million or something. And can you imagine today an album selling three million copies? Like straight off the bat, yeah, it's just which it doesn't happen, doesn't? I think happen, I think Purple Rain sold I think only fourteen or fifteen million uh, at, at the time. I'm sure, it's more. Yeah, maybe at the time, but I think now it's up to like forty, thirty, or thirty, forty million or something. Yeah, I, I think it's a lot less than that actually. Yeah. I don't know. There's one for the um, listeners to check out. Yeah, <laughs> I remember on the org not that long ago, someone on the org posted like all the. Like the actual Somebody numbers, we need to go and find Cause it. Because I, I remember watching a musical. I know we're going off the track a little bit, but a musicology um, interview on one of those news broadcasts, and they put up the top-selling albums of all time. And he was in, I don't know, in the tenth or twelfth position or whatever. And it said Purple Rain, fifteen million, and that was as of two thousand and four. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know, but, but look, I could be completely wrong. But yeah, three million, like you said. Yeah. Could you imagine an album now selling three million? Just it wouldn't happen. <laughs> mm, it's crazy, but yeah, there's a lot to say about this. It's just I, I just I keep coming back to th- 
thinking this is such, just such a gutsy release. And dare I say it, unlike anything he had recorded before then. Yep. Well, it was the first time he used a saxophone mm. on an album. Mm. Yeah. It was, and it was his seventh album, his lovely magic number seven. <laughs> <laughs> so that fits in well. It's crazy. Just absolutely crazy. It's probably the first time he used a tambourine on the album as, on an album as well. <laughs> you never know. Well, there's a there's a lot of instruments on this album which he'd never used, and I don't. He's probably hasn't used them since either. Mm. Which we'll get to on the first track. Cool, cool. So <laughs> unless unless anyone's got anything major, speak up. Um, let's go into our traditional track by track analysis nine tracks on this album not a particularly long release similar in length I guess to the to Purple Rain but very very different in virtually every other area so let's start with track number one Around the World in a Day the title track of the album the opener I just have to take, take a deep breath and just say wow and give it over to someone um, player what are your thoughts on this song yeah, this song is really cool. It opens up with that growl scream that he used to do during this period. <laughs> and then it floats into this Hare Krishna-style motif. And that's, all, that's the way I saw it. It was like a Hare Krishna song when I first heard it. Um, and I always thought this song was cool. It had a great rhythm. I love the finger symbols. And even though it sounded like world music, it had the Lindrum laced in it. And it had the Minneapolis-style keyboards and guitar groove towards the end. Um, and like Captain said, I like the line, all the little babies sing around the world. I love that. <laughs> That's such a cool little line. Um, the whole song is rich in character and it sounds like an adventure type song, like a journey. And it's escapism. And this song sets up the whole the tone for the whole album. like Kind of like all these um, self-titled, well, not self-titled albums, but the, the title track of the album sort of sets up what the album is. This does that as well. Mm. Mm. Captain, what are your thoughts on this one? Uh, I've read so many things about this track. Some people say it's African. Some people say it's Indian. Some people Asian. say it's Chinese. It's Asian. It's Oriental. Uh, yeah. it, it's real world music because everyone thinks it's something, <laughs> which uh, that's what it's supposed to be. But um, uh, this song, Prince's father has co-writing credits on the track as a couple of one or two other tracks on this album. But I always wonder if he actually did actually anything. I mean, did, did those two sit down and, and bang it out? Or maybe it was based no, on a I tune his father used to play. Or maybe yeah. he just wanted to give his father some financial security. Here's a track. Yeah, we, a name we, on it. We'd probably have to ask Prince on that one. Hmm. I always saw it as, as, like you said, like something that maybe was played in his house. or And he just like, picked it up. Yeah, and just sort of worked on like maybe the basis of an idea and sort of expanded on it. I've always saw like things like that, like um, what's that track on Purple Rain? The beautiful Peter Blue. Uh, Computer Blue. Blue yeah. The midsection. Yeah. Then the midsection, yeah. Mm. And he sort of like took that and then it sort of expanded it. The thing is so, that this song, this song was actually written. It was a, it's a David Coleman song. I was going to yeah. say that this is one he of the. He did the original version and then Prince took, you know, bits and pieces he wanted, and somewhere his father is involved in there, and and this is this is how it came out. It could be in the lyrics. You never know. I mean, we always talk about the musical side of it. Maybe they, um, maybe there's some lyric or thematic content that was introduced by John L. Nelson or whatever it was. Could have been. You never know. But um, well, at least the instruments, or is Toe Jam going to do that? 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you've got cello. You've got the oud. You've got finger cymbals. You've got a darbuka. You've got a tambourine. Yeah, you've got loads of things. And mm. but that's the thing with this track. You've got all this weird stuff, but you've still got the lindrum. You've still got the funky like, the the keyboards in there. It's still you still know it's a Prince song, even though it's got all this other weird stuff. But you still know that it's a Prince track. Yeah, that's all. All right, all right. Well, let's segue into Toe Jam now. What are your thoughts on the opening uh, uh, around the world in the day? Yeah, it's an interesting opening. Like, I do remember hearing this for the first time and, and again, just thinking, what the hell? And I did, it's not that <laughs> I disliked it, but I just thought, wow, there's a lot of weird stuff happening here. Um, I got some things that start in this album which kind of set up as, like, the theme for the album, and that is Wendy and Lisa singing, singing the chorus. Now, almost all of mm. these songs, they back the chorus. It's just a nice yeah. little theme. And also you've got these... Um, sent these keyboards that are playing like flute sounds and like whistles kind of sounds and that's kind of a running theme as well um, interesting also that there's there's very little bass on this song which is so he's kind of because uh, when Doves Cry was such an innovative track at the time I can kind of see him taking that idea of taking the bass out and you know let's see wh- where I can take this idea further and so this is kind of the next step I guess um, which you have on the next song as well yeah. Paisley yeah. Park as yeah. well so yeah, he's like, yeah, screw that bass. <laughs> uh, another theme I've got is to do with the lyrics and the way he sings them. And it, to me, I can never work out with this album, is he taking the piss out of all these old, like, 60s psychedelic records? Or is he actually... Yay, Toe Jam wins! The first person to say psychedelic <laughs> talking about this album. Congratulations. <laughs> I was just counting down the minutes someone had to say it first. Everyone always pays this album out for being a rip-off of that psychedelic. But to me, he's like, it's a homage to it, but it's, he's also taking the piss out of it as well in, in classic Prince comedy style. And I love that you can read it both ways. Uh, just the way he sings all the little babies. Like, it's just <laughs> joking. Is he taking the piss? Is he serious? Like, I just yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, so a really interesting song. And I remember he played this, he's played this live a couple of times on the parade tour and recently in, in uh, in the 3121 era and it's just it's a really cool song live as well especially when that those synths come in it just makes yeah. the track yeah that's my adventure around the world I'll just say one thing about like so many people critics fans whoever they compare this to psychedelic music and the, the Beatles and this is his Sergeant Pepper yeah. but the thing is if he was you know really heavily influenced by the Beatles he, he kept it pretty well hidden I think because, I mean, he never played cover songs. I mean, he only played a Beatles track. He played, what, long, The Long and Winding Road? And that was only a couple of years ago. And Come Together. If, 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 he really, if he really liked the Beatles, he waited a long time for it to be known, mm. you know, in, in that way, by, by playing a cover song. But uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess that brings it around full circle to me. I, I think this is an absolutely ridiculously gutsy and this that the word gutsy is going to come uh, out a few times in, in my album review um, a gutsy intro to this album um, I mean how many times have you guys put on a CD and heard the first song and then made up your mind to a degree about the album the artist or the music you were hearing and were about to hear I, I, I for one can say that it happens very very often especially with artists I don't know or whatever like the opening of, of a track of an album is so pivotal um, in, in not only the direction it's going to take but I mean it's the first impression it's the first the very first thing you hear yeah. and 
I mean, after becoming a huge pop star, the first thing you hear are Middle Eastern um, instruments for for the most part. I mean, the um, I mean, he's got like Turkish instruments there. He's got instruments from other parts of the Middle um, Middle East. He's probably got some some Asian influences. It's just ridiculous to me to think what a radical change we talk about the radical difference between those two albums but it it really is even more radical than what we than the way we describe it i mean really have a think about it to everyone who's listening it's just crazy um so I'll anyway that i'll just say one thing mc even more so in this being the first thing you heard there was no lead single there was no single to promote mm. it at the start mm. you bought the album not knowing a single song that was on it so it really was the first thing you heard of that album. It's not like, you know, there was a single before and you heard the single and then you bought the album. Mm. It was just, here's an album. You don't know what's on it. Nothing. Yeah, and, and, and if you want easy, d- digestible, disposable pop music, man, if you were listening to this track, most most people coming from that angle probably wouldn't even get through this track. It's only like three and something minutes long. So I just think that we, we, we can't undermine how amazingly brilliant and what a huge huge risk opening an album with this song is it's just I have to pinch myself and I still can't believe that he did it I mean that takes balls that takes large balls (laughs) to do that that's Um, something I don't need to find out about (laughs) But anyway, so going into the song, the the drums the drums are great, and the drums throughout this album are some of the best drum recording. Uh, I mean, the programming is always great. Prince is an amazing drum programmer, um, but the drum recording, the way that these drums are recorded, and I, I say the same for um, for Parade era drums as well. The, these two albums, they really there's an airiness and a space and a, and a quality to them that is indescribable but altogether brilliant to me um they're, they're a bit tribal sounding and it and you know there's there's that tabla element and then there's also the snare and then there's also the you know the minneapolis sound and a, and a bit of <laughs> lin to a degree uh, it's just crazy the strange strange instruments we've already mentioned the harmonies are, are, are really nice and i agree with toe jam they they form a uh, a bit of a theme throughout the album and I, I love little things in this song I mean there's so many but like the descending uh, kind of um, it's not quite a triplet but it, it, uh, I don't even know how to describe it you know the and then he does it again with, with, something, with some other instrument It's and then fin- you know the finger symbols at the end and the whistles and everything going on I mean it's just really brilliant arranging uh, I, I defy any artist I, I defy any artist to, to to be given the parameters of, okay, you've got three and a bit minutes, right? Um, these are the instruments you can you have <laughs> yeah. to use and, and yeah. list all the instruments that are on this album. Um, you're only allowed to sing about these themes and, and, a, <laughs> and a few lyrics here or there. You're allowed this many choruses, this many verses. Um, uh, what else? And that's about it. Compose an interesting, intricate opening track. I can just imagine the trash. <laughs> can you imagine the absolute rubbish <laughs> that people would come up with? Most <laughs> artists, I I dare say, I mean, world musicians might not have that problem to a degree. But then again, would they put the funk in there? 
Probably not. Would they put mm. synths over it? Probably not. Would they sing in, in, in a similar way and come up with those vocal patterns? Probably not, because there's so many influences in this. And I know I'm talking about this song for long. I just think that it's an outstanding piece of work considering all these factors. Yeah, I was just going to say as well, um, you know, a lot of people at, at the time and the last, I don't know, since the 60s, 70s, I guess, had been putting a lot of, you know, world music in their recordings. Like, But a lot of the time it just came across like, oh, here's a rock band with a bongo player kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prince takes it and, and turns it into his own thing. Yeah, completely. It's completely unique. It's the Prince thing, but it's also the world music. But it's not just, oh, that's Prince with the bongo player kind of thing. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. So, you know, it's it's sounds... You know, you can listen to this and go, oh, yeah, you put a few sounds together and it sounds kind of interesting. And going global, going Minneapolis, bit funky, interesting little 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 pop ditty. Man, try it, try it at home one day. See if you can come up with anything half as creative. I dare you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but anyway, the other thing that's really cool in this, you guys have mentioned some of the lyrics, but I love the, um, Papa, I think I want to dance. That's it's so ridiculous because before he says that, the song really doesn't get, wasn't funky at all. It was great. It was a nice rhythm and a steady, but then that comes and it's like, oh yeah, the Minneapolis sound just, cuts through yeah the keyboards come in and funky synths and then throughout the whole piece you've got these underlying I say flutes but I think Tojam or whoever said it was right in that it's it's probably on a keyboard or or some sort of electronic instrument or device Uh, and really there you go (laughs) but and just finishing the review of this song and this is one of the longest reviews I've got my other ones are a little shorter strangely enough I think that the lyrics "open your heart and open your mind" are um, indicative of what the what the listener, in some cases, needs to do and should do yeah. to not only appreciate this track but the rest of this album, because it is a master stroke. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's really mind blowing to me to open a, an album like with, with a song like this. Unheard of. In yeah. this song, he says, "I think I want to dance." Doesn't he say exactly the same thing in Kiss? Yeah. Yeah, it does. That <laughs> took you a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly the same, same everything. Interesting. Um, but could you imagine um, the parade tour? Because he opened the parade tour with this. Mm. And can you imagine when those synths just come in and then the lights crank up and you got... Oh, oh, yeah. It'd just be insane. Being crazy. Um, all right. Let's go into track number two in this eclectic album. And that track is Paisley Park. Uh, who wants this one? How about Captain? What are your thoughts on Paisley Park, the song? Okay. This song, this is where it all started. The, the record label, the studio complex. It, it's all here. It all came from this, from this song. Because this came first. Paisley Park wasn't built till a bit later on. Hmm. I, I think the record label was... Spawned from this. Yeah, spawned from this, or it was either in progress or just about to be. Because it was this or Romance 1600 was the first album on Paisley Park Records. Okay. I'm just, hang on, I've got it right here. I have a no, feeling around is, the world is. today, yeah. This album is on Paisley Park Records, so. Wow. So I guess the record, oh, who knows which came first, the song or the record label, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> There's so much echo on this track. It's 
it's good. <laughs> you've got this big smack on the two in the chorus, and then in the verses you've got this guitar riff, and then there's an instant echo of it just once. And uh, you listen on headphones, you'll hear it. It's um, it's slightly annoying, but it's it's on the border of being annoying, but it's not. Does that make any sense? Um, it's it's a great pop track, even though it's 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 weird. I love the keyboards and the verses. They sound like some sort of like pipe organ playing this merry-go-round music. Yeah, and this is another song. It doesn't have bass that I heard. No bass line. And you got the little finger symbols that go off here and there. But yeah, it all started here. And there might even be an actual park somewhere called Paisley Park. <laughs> There's strawberry fields in New York. There's got to be a Paisley Park somewhere. That's all. All right, all right. Uh, Toe Jam, what do you think about Paisley Park? Yeah, another... Again, both with Around the World in a Day and this one, they're not the kind of songs that you say, yeah, they're my favourite Prince songs, but they're just really interesting songs. Um, I think what I love most about this is just the, the seesaw kind of melody. It's just really like, you know, like a kid's kind of melody. Mm. Kind of cool. As was uh, the video. <laughs> yeah, with the guy bouncing the basketball on the beat. That's pretty <laughs> like that. Um And you got this distorted guitar all the way through it, and it's it's similar to what he does in Peach, in, in that the lines he's playing, they're kind of rough and off, and it, it kind of adds to it, this sort of grittiness to the, the sound of his guitar. Um, you got Wendy and Lisa again backing up on the uh, chorus, and you've got this um, this keyboard... Again, this whistly, fluty keyboard sound, and it's kind of a little bit behind the beat. This wah, 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 just like a little bit behind the beat each time. Really gives it that airy, dreamy feel. Um, and there's some really interesting lyrics in here too. Um, you know, memories die, and the taxes he'll have to give, and it kind of gets a bit sad. And then there's the um, elephants and mules reference, which I'm not 100% sure, but I believe it's like talking about political parties in the US. Uh, uh, anyone, yeah, yeah I, I think that's what I heard it was. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, it, yeah, I just really like that airy sound to it and um, a nice nice chorus. And, it, yeah, I wish you'd... Well, I don't know if I'd wish you'd play this live more, but it would be interesting to hear it a bit more, I guess, because it's not something he plays all the time. I think he's only played it a few times throughout. Uh, so, Paisley Park. And the, yeah, the, I like the video, even though it's a bit cheaply made. Oh, this is one of the worst. I don't know if he was responsible for the video or you know, Warner, Warner Brothers it. did it, yeah. or, but it's a, it's a bad video. <laughs> I think there's two versions of it as well, but I can't remember what the difference is between them. Okay. Uh, player, what, do you find Paisley Park interesting? Uh, it's in my heart. Um, I love the imagery in the lyrics and how it reflects in the album album cover art. Very psychedelic. There you go, Captain. Um, yeah. The song has, like Jam said, a nursery rhyme quality about it. And the beat sways like a seesaw and the guitars are raw and the production is minimal. I like at the um, 2 minute 30 mark to 2 minute 45, this guitar in the background starts to swell in the background. And it sounds very similar to the guitar in the beginning of Computer Blue. So just have a check oh. out of that. And it's very, it's kind of like the, the end of Private Joy or Orgasm. Just like this really sort of distorted guitar just going nuts. It's really cool. Um, I also love how the song ends. 
they could have easily faded this song out, but it just stops and it's got the violin that plays into place with that f- flute keyboard sound. Oh, the violin. Performed by Novi Nobog. Yeah. I mean, they could have faded it out easily, but just to have it end a bit differently, that's cool. The video, I remember seeing the video on TV when it came out, and I kept thinking to myself, what, at what point are we going to see Prince in the video? And then <laughs> I got through the whole video and I was mad. And then I yeah. had this crazy idea that the video was like an unofficial video and it was made up by the TV channel to play the, the song. They used to do that but, back then, eh? Yeah, they used to make up their own videos <laughs> and just like tag it just to play the songs. And I thought it was one of those things, so... Well, that's a high compliment you're giving it there. <laughs> <laughs> but All Up, it's a great song that Prince should, I agree, pull out more often in a live setting. Okay, okay. Uh, well, we'll finish again with me. I think this is a great, great, great song. Um, track number two, this is one of my favorite songs on the album. Um, because of what it represents, Paisley Park, I think the lyric and thematic content is in many ways childish, but on the flip side, if you take that the, the childishness, childishness away from it, um, it it's kind of sweet, and, and I, I like the sentiment. Um, you know, Paisley Park is in my heart, and, and I think he, th- this song is an, is an ode to people striving for their goals and achieving them and, you know, being peaceful and happy and, and everything you want to be and being free and all those sorts of things. Um, and and it's, it's a very universal song. You know, um, un- unlike some latter-day Prince songs, it's it's completely inclusive of everyone, of everything, or at least that's the way it seems. Um, but anyway, onto the music side of it, um, the Lindrums are really cool. But even before the Lindrums, I love, and I'll have to repeat that again. I love the countdown, and and his the coarseness of his voice. The water, water, right? And then the, the Lindrum, it comes in really nicely. And right after that is, I think what Captain mentioned, the kind of um, merry-go-round type riff, if you can call it that, and more like a melody line, really, um, just going round and round in circles. I mean, that's audacious. Who the hell puts a sound, the sound of a merry-go-round in a pop song from beginning to end? Like it's a, it's crazy to me, and but what it does, it's a great musical element because it gives the song the quality of kind of like it's spinning around, and because he he introduces that element and pretty much plays it for the length of the track, it, it it's it gives it a sense of momentum. The music has a sense of momentum and of. Um, you know, spinning around and twirling and constant movement. And I think it's a, it's a great great idea and it works to great effect here. Um, the, the kind of rim shot reverb of the drums is really cool. The hand claps come into it. The vocal is really dreamlike and, and fantasy-like. Um, uh, and then, that, yeah, that blues bass, those blues bass guitar lines are just awesome. And, and they kind of undercut the sentiments and the instrumentation of the song. Like, you know, it it's not supposed to work but it does in a way I I think it's absolutely brilliant in that respect Um, and just finishing off with a couple things like there's a lot of weird effects that he's doing on the rhythm guitars and it might be the section that player mentioned but there 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 are other sections in this song where if you listen closely and I think you have to listen on headphones here there is some strange strange stuff going on I don't Mm. know what or who or how (laughs) 
I don't know anything about you know what is actually going on, but there's some weird stuff. It's not just distortion. It's not reverb. It's not modulated. It's not through pedal. Some weird stuff's happening, and it sounds bloody brilliant. Um, and then yeah, like look, the the ebb and flow of the chorus really makes the song, along with that merry-go-round uh, melody line, it just gives it this momentum and propels it um, towards the very end. The violin is featured in amongst everything uh, I don't even know if featured is the right word but it's 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 audible and it's very effective because what it does it many times the violin and Prince's vocal delivery double up with the guitar lines and they kind of call in there's a call and response to yeah. a degree towards the end of the song yeah, yeah yeah and that's just awesome like he's he hits these high notes on the guitar and then he just follows it up with the, with with a embellish vocal embellishment with like a high falsetto as well, and it's just brilliant. Yeah, so this is an awesome, awesome track. I wish I'd hear live one day, uh, and very underrated, I think, in his canon. That's that. One one thing, Toe Jam, uh, with the chord progression of this song. You got nothing yeah. to say about that? Oh well, I will talk about it now that you mentioned it. Yeah, I thought you would. <laughs> it's well similar to um, it's it's a one. Uh, six, six, four, four five. Instead of a but minor, the six. six is not a minor. Yeah, it's a, it's a major. So that's a little yes. bit, a little bit different. Gives it a real Beatles. Now, again, I don't want to say he's ripping off the Beatles, but that's classic kind of Beatles thing: changing majors and minors on you mm. uh, when you're not expecting it, kind of thing. But uh, it works. Yeah, definitely. It sounds a bit weird, but it, it fits the whole psychedelic thing. Definitely. Yeah. But um, the one other thing I forgot to add is that, uh, and. Prince is really good at doing this, is the contrast uh, between different sections, where he's got this, like, the beat, dun, 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 kind of aggressive kind of thing, but then he's got the, the cheesy melody over the top, and it's, it's a nice <laughs> contrast between the two. Cheesy melody? Oh, you know, cheesy in a good way. <laughs> in the booklet that comes with the CD, or the vinyl, I guess, if you've got that, it's got Violin Performance by Novi Novog. Does anyone know who that is? I saw an interview of the... I've seen there's some documentary where they interview her and it's like years later wow. and she's like talking about yeah Prince invited me in and played but I can't remember where, where I saw it it's a cool name though Novi Novog hmm. yeah she's like she's like German or European or some something like that ah well there you go the things you learn on the Peach and Black podcast so <laughs> let's go into track number three which is um just over six minutes long I think from memory and it's called Condition of the Heart Player why don't you start off with this one give us your thoughts well let's start with the intro it's two minutes of intro bliss <laughs> um, do yourself a favour and go and listen to this song with the headphones on and your eyes closed and let it take you on a journey it can evoke some real moving emotions um, stuff like this is the kind of thing you don't really hear on a Prince record these days it's like the track starts and gets right into it. It's very rare you find Prince these days putting a little two-minute instrumental piece at the start of the song. So I love how the song portrays contrast. We have these real quiet passages and where he whispers lyrics and then he and then it comes up really loud and he's screaming. Um, and when it builds up, I really like this that, that part of the the whole song how it does that. Um, the lyrics can be a bit cheesy in parts, but it's also haunting and moving in others. But it's like an audio book where you, where you paint your own pictures of the characters in your mind. Um, it's another very minimal s- 
song instrument song instrumentation wise that packs a punch the vocals are amazing it's an amazing track and then right at the end it just fades out with this um, timpani drums it's really really cool is that supposed to be a heartbeat is that the hard beating that's what I, I think it's it reminds me of yeah yeah it's kind of cool alright so um, here's my take of of this uh, beautiful beautiful piece it's um, it, it's another great great song I mean you know the the quality material just keeps on coming um, and I agree with player the the two something minute intro is absolutely beautiful it's it's sublime the the piano um, it's really piano noodling but in the greatest sense um, it sounds like it's improvised which it may have been um, but yet it's structured quite classically um, you know especially with the uh, with the synths over the top of it, it's kind of like a it, it, haunting minor key um, intro, uh, and and then you've got these kind of I, I don't know what you what you call space, but he's he just he, he puts these areas into yeah, in between the the piano um, and, and some of the synths. Um, and they just allow it to breathe and and every time he strikes a chord on the piano or a note on the piano it just gives it you know more um energy and more impact and it's really 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 interesting what it, what he does on there uh a great opener and then some per- percussion effects you know happening in the background as well and then and then you get these drum crashes and then right after that then you get the 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 very well known um uh, a, a piano intro that we all recognize and it starts off this little melody line with with some guitar playing in the background uh, and really the guitar's playing a light variation of the of the piano melody to me anyway um, and and it gives it a very uh, kind of creepy atmosphere but at the same time almost blissful without forgetting that it's a sad song um, great unique imaginative lyrics the very emotive and impassioned delivery of these words you know the, the, and and he does so not only with emotion but with some with some tricky vocal um uh vocal arrangement really he doesn't he's doing a lot of bends and a lot of screaming and a lot of kind of you know his heart's breaking um and it's audible uh and then really not too much more to say other than four minutes in come the just amazing I don't know how to describe them really I'm I've, I lack the superlatives to, dis, to describe how good the, the effect of the harmonies of the choir like harmonies really um, how good they are they're just amazing and it just really pushes the song to extremes you know it goes from this intro to a few verses to huge crescendo drum sounds and an amazing vocal um, uh, uh, vocal arrangements and then back back to quiet again and then it's just it's it's a it's a it's an odd song um, but you know I can't get enough of listening to this uh, toe jam what do you think well on on its day this could easily be my favorite prince song of all time I think uh, this is definitely in my top five at least. Oh, uh, it's amazing! Absolutely amazing! And 
I think you're right. I think the song to me sounds like, well, the intro anyway, sounds like he's improvised the piano and then put all the other stuff on top of it. That's the way I hear it. And, um, you know, the stuff he's playing on the piano, it's it's kind of similar to like the Chick Corea, Keith Jarrett kind of 70s solo piano albums that, you know, they'd re- release these 40-minute albums of just solo piano kind of thing. And uh, I'm not saying it's perhaps quite on that level, but for someone like Prince, you know, assumedly a pop star to come up with something even remotely close to that as well as being an amazing guitarist and singer and movie star and everything it's just mind-blowing to me it's mm. mind-blowing the, the orchestral instruments the timpani uh the string samples etc the flutes uh it you know a, a classical composer would be proud of this two-minute intro i think it's it's just amazing and like like you guys have said most of it already but you know the way it builds tension and then releases it's uh, I, I just keep saying it again it's mind-blowing <laughs> Um, but again, and I, I like this about it, at 2 minutes 20, you, you know, you kind of had the big intro and the melody kind of starts, and then you get this cheesy synth, bow, 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 underneath it, and it's, <laughs> it's so cheesy, but it's like, is he taking the piss or is he serious kind of thing? And I love that about this album. Um, there's some amazing vocals, harmonies, where he sings the word yard, yard, just doubling that with like two or three vocals, amazing. And um, for me, the song... The, uh, I guess you could call it the, kind of the chorus, I guess, uh, where he, you know, he says, oh, thinking about you driving me crazy. Like, yeah, both yeah. times it comes in, it just, it's its the most heartfelt Prince vocal delivery ever, I think. It just moves me every time. It's amazing. Mm. Wow. It's such, like I said, in my top five any day of the week, if not my top Prince song of all time on its day. Just amazing. Unbelievable track. Amazing. I don't know why, but while you were bringing, while you were talking about this track and the heartfelt delivery and the vocals and how passionate it is, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop but think a little bit of Power Fantastic, and some of the similarities. Uh, there are very different songs, but there's there are some similarities I think between those two, and 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 especially the delivery of the vocals. Uh, funnily enough, they probably they were probably done around the same time as well, but there's just something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I'm thinking Isn't of that song, but yeah, uh, yeah, very, 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 very strong vocal delivery. It just cuts cuts straight through everything, doesn't it? Like you, mm. yeah. and even the chord progression of the main song. It's like it just it goes places to me. It just it takes me like once the song starts, I can't stop listening to it till it gets to the end. <laughs> and especially on headphones, we say this all the time, but this is this is an ultimate headphones song. Yeah, and it's quite low in the mix actually. The, like the beginning, you need to turn yeah. this up even yeah. to hear it, even if you're listening to it on stereo. So. Um, Captain, close this one out for us. It's amazing that this is one of Toe Jam's favorite Prince songs ever. It's not my, for me, just it's not the worst song ever, but it's the worst song on this album for me. Oh, it This This is wow. the most most skippable track oh, on this that's, album. It's giving me a condition <laughs> of the heart, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the two-minute intro, that, it's just boring to me. Uh, wow. it, it doesn't go anywhere. It sort of builds up and then nothing. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was saying wow when all you were saying, oh, it's so great, it's great, it's great. And I'm like, no, it's not. You're surprising me now. <laughs> but this song, it's all instruments and voices performed by Prince. There's no one else on air. That's amazing. amazing in itself. So Yeah, that's impressive. But the actual song, I'm not impressed that much. Impressive? Um, That's freaking insane. (laughs) 
Sit down and do that. <laughs> he's recorded that, that many songs by himself. This is just another one. Oh, man. It's not that great. But there's a few things I like. you got the little mandolin-style guitar right at the start, you know, after the two-minute intro. Uh, and, yeah, it's a great... I'll say it's a great vocal performance, but, yeah, it's far from my favourite track on this album. One good lyric is, Every day is a yellow day. I'm blinded by the daisies in your yard. That's a really good lyric. Mm-hmm. Every time When I hear it, I'm like, yeah, that's good. But that, the, all the lyrics for this song are actually pretty good. I'm saying all these good things about the song, but I don't like it that much. Um, <laughs> and it's cool how it ends with the... It sounds like a heartbeat fading out to me with the, the drums. But, yeah, for me, this is the most skippable track wow. on, on this album. And just think about lyrics again. And again, the, the lyric... Um you know, sometimes money buys you everything and nothing, but love only buys you a condition of the heart. That's so beautiful to mm. me. Awesome. Mm. But I'll, 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 I mean, there's, there's so many, though. Yeah, I mean, there was a girl in Paris whom he sent a letter to hoping she would answer back. Now, wasn't that a foolhardy notion? I mean, who writes that? <laughs> on, the part, on the part of a sometimes lonely musician acting out a whim. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, oh, that's it's what Prince, I like about it. It's Prince, kind of what it is. Wacky. Yeah. This whole album is just—I mean, you can say psychedelic, but it's—it's it's quirky. That's what it is. I, I or, or to sum it up in one word, it's Prince. <laughs> I love the lyrics. Yeah, I man, there's—I mean, we could. I think one of the reasons why a lot of the times we don't go into more detail on 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 the music and even more detail on the lyrics and the thematic content is because this show would be like ten hours long. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's not would, enough hours in the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you know, we might have some archives where where um, you know we. It'd be interesting for us to, to, once we review all the albums, to maybe re-review them again one day. But really, like, do the uncut versions. <laughs> so, for everyone listening, you never know. You know, we might we might go full out. We might do the, you know, We're gonna six go back. hour. We'll go back and re-record our entire back catalogue. <laughs> the new masters. <laughs> It'll be amazing. You'll love it. I'm telling you, we'll do, and, and we're going to retire from all live performance as well. <laughs> but yeah, look, we, we could go into the detail. But one of the reasons that that I, I um, really appreciate this song so much again uh, is is the lyrics, and it, it made me actually look things up and research things like Clara Bow. Like I had no idea who that was. Who was it? it look her up. Look her up. I she was. I'm, I'm too lazy. Uh, well, I, I don't. I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to be uh, proven wrong here. But I believe from memory when I look, and I looked her up a long time ago. Uh, she was like a silent movie actress, and she had a very famous image. Um, hard to describe, but but oh, very very famous kind of vaudeville look about her, and, and she had a. Um, I mean, an intriguing, kind of inescapable face. Once you see it, you'll know you've seen it before. But there was a woman from the ghetto who made funny faces, just, just like, like Clara. Clara Burr. Yeah, she was kind of like a cheeky, cute kind of. Um, I don't know. Probably the the modern equivalent would be you know the the girl that plays Amelie in the in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of. If you get that, if you get that drift. But um, uh, yeah. So. I don't know. It's just it's a, it's an intriguing song. It's an intriguing song. I just love the crescendo, the the crescendo effect in in so many parts of it. The vocals, wow. <laughs> Repeating myself here, but yeah. All right. So after this, let's go into track number four, 
which is the single, correct? Eventual single. Yes. Eventual single, yep. Eventual single and one of Prince's most popular and well-known songs, Raspberry Beret. Uh, I'll do a very short intro on this and then hand it over. Pure classic pop, amazing arrangements. Strings are cream of the crop. One of the first times he's really using strings. Um, not the first, but one of the first, I said, um, in his catalogue. And as far as I can tell, the strings actually replicate traditional bass lines. Um, so they've kind of superimposed the strings, the concept of strings, and used them to, to play um, a lot of the bass in this song, or, or what would traditionally be the bass parts, or the bass lines. That's yeah, what I hear. I can hear that. That's what I hear, which is very interesting. And again, in the over, over of classical um, composition, that might be more... Uh, more a normality but I think in pop music it's very unique evocative and playful lyrics people uh, you guys will obviously go into other other parts of this song but um, for me the, the best thing I like about this is obviously the, the background of vocals and harmonies by Wendy and Lisa they are brilliant creme de la creme I mean there's again you can't say anything uh, bad about this it's just absolutely amazing uh, and this is a song that just speaks colour to me. And this is the point I, I'll end on. I listen to this song and it, it's like the audio equivalent of a kaleidoscope of colour. You know, it's a yeah. kaleidoscope of sound. It is absolutely enticing. It, it is a master stroke by an artist at the peak, arguably at the peak of his creative and collaborative powers and man he paints an amazing picture and cuts a, cuts out a slice of probably one of the purest and best arranged and meticulously composed pop songs of all time so on that note I hand it over to Toe Jam yeah I just it's a classic Prince hit song really um it's so simple. It's very similar to me to um, Take Me With You, and he did it uh, as a medley with those two songs for years and years. Um, yeah, it, what can I say? It's, it's classic. It's total pop in, in, the, in the best sense of the word. Um, you know, E, A, and D chords on the guitar. Anyone can pick this up and play this. And, and the lyrics suggest that as well. You know, we all know Prince didn't really work in a five and dime working for Mr. McGee. But, you know, he, he, just, he sells it. He sells it. And, you know, you can listen to this... And, you know, you can imagine someone at work listening to this and bobbing their head, yeah, I'm working for Mr. McGee. I'm, someone's coming in through the outdoor kind of thing, uh, <laughs> which I think is a um, is a reference to Led Zeppelin I read somewhere. Led Zeppelin album was going to be called in through the outdoor. I might be wrong on that. Oh. Can I just quickly butt in and say how brilliant is the effect of that line? When he's not only the line in through the outdoor, but then this is the, the, the one of the reasons why I love this guy, this guy as an artist. Where he says when he sings in through the outdoor outdoor like he just repeats that line great great and I love that it, on the video when he says that as well he just looks to the side and then looks back yeah. <laughs> such a weirdo <laughs> and again I think I think the song's made by the, the big chorus you know raspberry it's just so sing along you can imagine all your all the ladies just singing along to this in a club mm. kind of. uh, and I love the video the video is really cool it's the suit and the Oh, no. No. It's, yeah, you've got the blue screen and you've got the people dressed up and lots of colours it's cool 
Um, I love the bridge as well with the strings. Uh, that's really cool. Novi Novog's back again. Yeah. 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 Uh, one thing that's missing on the album version that's on the 12-inch and the video is that funky guitar riff at the beginning. Before yeah. He, uh, oh, that that's awesome. Been, yeah, that's the only thing I reckon could have been missing on the album version, unfortunately. And uh, the cough. Yeah. <laughs> that's so random. It's just interjected in there. It's just like, what's that? <laughs> Who does that? Who does yeah. that? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I won't say much more. You know, it's, it's classic Prince pop and in, in the best sense of the word. Okay, all right, play on. I pretty much agree with you guys. It's pop perfection classic. It's a charming sing-along song. It's a favourite with everyone, but maybe played out one too many times for the diehard fans. But, you know, the orchestration section that underlines the song is minimal, but again, amazing. It just sort of sweetens the whole song. The lyrics are clever and funky. Again, great use of the imagery as the previous three songs. Um... And the video is one of Prince's more creative efforts in his videography. Now, a lot of um, videos are just straight performance videos, but it's got, you know, it's a, a little bit based on the artwork and has animation through it, so it's a, a little bit more effort's been put into it, so I really like it. Is it fair to say this is the first Prince video that really did that kind of thing? Because, well, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, all these videos prior were just performance videos, more or less. Yeah, it was... It was almost like, yeah, like he put a bit a bit more effort into this than, than yeah. some of the others, yeah. Hmm. All right, now, Captain, you slagged Condition of the Heart. <laughs> what do you think about Raspberry Beret? Uh, this is one of his biggest pop hits. I mean, I would probably go as far as to say now, like 2010, this song is more popular than anything off Purple Rain. I hear Raspberry Beret... It's on the radio a lot, yeah. I hear Raspberry Beret on the radio way more than When Doves Cry or Take Me With You or Purple Rain or Let's Go Crazy. Yeah. Agree with you, yeah. Yeah. It's on all the time. I think it's... Strangely, it's the bigger hit off the, you know, the unsuccessful album that came after Purple Rain. It's just... It's a bizarre twist. I just thought I'd interject when you say unsuccessful. Like, it was so successful the album. Which is, yeah, the so-called. The so-called unsuccessful. The so-called this, unsuccessful. This album. Well, it was the number one album, wasn't it? Mm. So well, it's yeah, like, it's, it's it's gold or platinum or whatever. It's definitely like, platinum. I think three or four times platinum, yeah. It's probably it got the crest of Pepper Rain. Yeah. yeah. It's probably the only album ever, well, maybe not, uh, with a number one single, a number one album that's considered a disappointment. Mm. <laughs> yeah, by, exactly. by, by foolish people. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird thing is, I mean, Raspberry Beret, the song, it's from 1982, along with mm. a few other tracks that were recorded way before, you know, the album was even thought of in his brain I guess which, which brings up a very interesting concept which we won't go or concept not a, an interesting notion of the timeliness of Prince's music I guess uh, that maybe we can go into in a, on another show but yeah just an interesting but I mean he had if you're going to pick any song on this album to be the big hit this, this was going to be it and after seriously listening to this song I discovered a harpsichord mm. there's a harpsichord and it's right back in the mix. I think it's on the left-hand side, and it's there. And I heard it, and I have heard this song a billion times, possibly, <laughs> and I've never heard a harpsichord or something imitating a harpsichord, but it's there. But um, after I heard that, I'm like, this album is where, for me, the revolution really took on their own sound. I mean, Purple Rain had it a bit, 1999 a little bit, 
But for me, after hearing that harpsichord and all over this album, you've got Wendy and Lisa singing the chorus on most of the songs and they're just everywhere. Mm. This is where they really come into their own and then evolved into like Parade and Dream Factory and everything else that came after it. And not much came after it because they ended. But um, uh, that was one big thing. The revolution ended at like the peak. That was the thing that annoyed me. But who knows what could have happened after that. Everyone went out with a bang. All right. Uh, well, that takes us into um, just the halfway point. Or yeah, I think it's exactly the halfway point actually of the album. So um, that takes us into the next song right after Raspberry Beret. I mean, just before we go into this song, I'm thinking, think about the sentiment, the um, the quality, and the lyricism of Raspberry Beret and the song that we're about to go into. Like, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Uh, hard to under, hard to understand, isn't it? You know, like a twelve-year-old girl could be listening to Raspberry Beret, clapping her hands and singing the chorus, and then I don't know what she'd be doing to the next track, but <laughs> she'd it's be, called... she'd be obviously she'd be playing with her tambourine. Tambourine. <laughs> oh <Exactly>. wow! <laughs> track number five, tambourine. Captain, take it away. Every Prince album has got to have its funk on a stick track, hmm. and this is it. This is it. I love the the synth bass. It's just too funky. The all the way through. It's just excellent. But, but but you listen to this song. Just skip ahead if you can to two ten, because that's where it all starts. Those vocals, just the vocals where he's just screaming his head off. That's just the best thing. <laughs> and then at two and then at two twenty four, it's just in the background. He's like ah ah ow. And it's, I've never heard it before either, but I was listening to headphones. I was listening to headphones and this track was coming through them. And I heard that and I'm like, how excellent is that? He he probably just whacked himself in the face with his tambourine. That's what happened. It's just his, ah, ah, ow. It's just so funny. But this is your funk on a stick and here it is. But yeah, this guy can make a metaphor out of anything. I mean, it's just before... I was going to say this was the weakest track on the album. Not that I don't like it, but out of these nine songs, I thought it was the weakest, but then I thought about Condition of the Heart, and I like Tambourine more than the Condition of the Heart. So, there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, player, what are your thoughts on Tambourine? Okay, I have a theory about this song. Well, okay, here we go. He's <laughs> well, he's done many odes to wanking in the past before this song. <laughs> Jack, Jack you off etc like more direct references but this is different and I think the inspiration may be Cindy Lauper because okay. her album her album so un- uh, She's So Unusual which was yes. big the previous year to this album had a cover version of When You Were Mine on it which I'm sure Prince yeah. checked out but yeah. also had another song that became a single called She Bop and yes. which was an indirect an indirect reference to masturbation and like Tambourine if you didn't know what they were on about in those songs, you'd be none the wiser. And I think Prince heard that song and thought, well, how can I come up with something similar that I can talk about this as something really provocative and get the whole world singing along and no one would pick up on the metaphor. <laughs> it's just genius. Um, look, it's funky. Um, musically, with the drums, it's like a hybrid of Irresistible Bitch and Lady Cab Driver. Um, the bass is oozing. The lyrics are playful. The delivery is great. Um, the chorus to me in part sound like like he's saying trampoline instead of tambourine. He does say like trampoline in, somewhere, I trampoline. think. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. But anyway, 
Um, Let me check my trusty lyrics. I'm sure it says tambourine, but the delivery sounds like trampoline at the start. And then at the end, he's screaming tambourine. But anyway. In all the lyrics, it says tambourine, but I'm sure he says... I've heard trampoline so many times. Yeah. Yeah. It's funky little oddity, and it's a great song all around. And Prince on on drums, come on. Give it up. Give it up up for Prince on the drums. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Toe Jam, what do you think about Prince on the drums? Uh, It's funky drums. Funky Hmm. drums. Um, what I love about this song, it kind of has like, it's obviously it's direct funk, but it kind of has like a Calypso thing about it too. Do you guys hear that? It's like tambourine, just kind of Calypso to me. A little bit, yeah. Um, now my theory on this, that's an interesting one from Player, is that, uh, you know the Bob Dylan song, Mr. Tambourine Man? Yes. Well, Who is also from Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a really famous song for having, you know, he's the metaphor of the drug dealer kind of thing. Mm. He's like, well, I'm just going to make use tambourine again, but in a completely different kind of metaphor. So it's kind of, and again, it fits in with the theme of these lyrics throughout this whole album. Like, again, is he taking the piss or is he serious kind of thing? <laughs> I definitely hear trampoline as well when he goes trampoline. Definitely. <laughs> mm. Maybe he just did that to screw with us. Maybe he is saying trampoline, but he wrote tamb- he wrote but he wrote tambourine in the lyrics. So we all just go, well, what the hell? It's kind of more obvious when he goes trampoline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it really is just a vocal show-off, really, in the best sense, in that he's showing all the cool things he can do with his vocals, you know, mm. just massive jumps and these amazing lines that sort of go up and down and crazy stuff. And, and uh, it's just so offbeat. Um, and he's got the long days. <laughs> no, offbeat. What's that? <laughs> uh, just offbeat. A, a, a play on the words beating off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Mm. And he's got he's got the um the one section where it's like long days, lonely nights, and then this really heavy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this song is, it's all about the vocals. And again, there's another cool bit. This might have been what Captain was talking about. Where again, it's when he's talking about his long day, lonely nights. He hears in the background this nah nah, too bad. Just mm, uh, yeah, like, yeah. He's just like it's kind of. Reminds me of Beck a little bit, how he's just kind of mishmashing all these sort of phrases and words and just sort of throwing them all in there and putting them in a blender and see what comes out kind of thing. Uh, so it's a funky little track. It does kind of, doesn't really fit the album in, in some ways, but in other ways it does. And I think, um, I wouldn't take it off the album, but I can kind of see why some people uh, don't like it so much. Maybe you might replace it with a, a, a certain B-side. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. No, this song, the vocals at 210, that's, oh, it's the best thing. Is that the screaming part, is it? Yeah, yeah. that's where it starts to pick up. Just, yeah. be, just before the screaming part, he's singing it in a really, like, hard voice, and then he gets higher and higher and just starts screaming, and it's, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's, it's just before the end, really, because it's not a very long song. Yeah, it's um, the last, like, 30 seconds. This is filthy funk, <laughs> and it's not... When I say filthy, it's not explicitly filthy. It's filthy because it isn't explicit. That's the reason why. Um, this is a great... It's, it's just a song about a musical instrument, MC. <laughs> it's a great... A tambouraka. It's a great, <laughs> great song. 
and it's it's weird because it's so different to everything else on the album. It's almost like the comic relief. It's like the interlude between <laughs> we get into some more serious themes. And it's almost like, you know, the first four tracks on this album, you think Around the World in the Day, Paisley Park, Condition of the Heart, Ra- Raspberry Beret, deal with themes of happiness, love, forlorn love, uh, you know, being open-minded. And then you have this kind of midway point of some filthy comedy funk style track and then it goes into you know some more socio-political consciousness or you know social kind of um, uh, message based songs like America pop life etc maybe it was a comment that you know people can't go 40 minutes without having a wank halfway through (laughs) (laughs) speak for yourself (laughs) Um, there's, there's, there are some great things in this song. The whistling. No one mentioned the whistling, man. The whistling is... is Come on, who does that? Who whistles in a song? Like, seriously, what is that? <laughs> is it a whistler or is it a keyboard? Who knows? It's a whistle yeah, sound. Whistle, yeah. The synth bass is grooving and popping and it's brilliant. And uh, it, it, it's in tandem with the drums. The drumming's so cool. Like, this is a great example of Prince playing the drums. And it's a great example of him playing, not because, oh, you know, it, it, the novel, there's no novelty factor here. He, he is a great drum player. And he's a great drum player for one reason alone, because he really doesn't sound like anyone else. Which, when you think about it, there are a lot of drummers out there in the world. We hear a lot of drummers. All four of us and, you know, our listeners and everyone who listens man, you know, a dime a dozen. He sounds so unique on the drums. A little kind of sloppy, a little raw E and like Tojo mentioned it, like the beat is a little off and whether it's intentional or not, it just adds to the song. Like if this was, I don't know, I'm not going to start mentioning drummers, but you know, I, I think you guys get my point, or at least I hope you do, that, that with a, like Chris Coleman on tambourine, he would destroy this track in the very mm. worst sense of the word. It'd but it, lose... wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, and it wouldn't sound good. I really don't think it would. So he does some really great fills and some nice rolls, especially towards the end of this. Um, yeah, great drumming. I just smile on my face whenever I hear it. Uh, the, the, and, and another thing that you guys haven't mentioned yet is the tambourine playing in the song tambourine because it is there for the length of the song the tambourine starts from like the fourth or fifth second and goes through to the end of this song it is there throughout the tambourine is constantly rattling and shaking for the length of this song and i think that is so brilliant and he mixes it first of all he gets a great tambourine sound and he mixes it in so that it doesn't distract from the music and in fact it sounds like <laughs> it's kind of um, so subtle that many people either don't hear it or don't really care for it, but I think it's brilliant. It's a brilliant move. The vocal, the background vocals are, are quite funny and odd, and it's all him again. All the background vocals are him. The lyrics are great, and I love how he introduces the background vocal as o- almost like the lead line. You know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. Usually, the background vocals are the background vocals, and that's all you do. And he introduces the background vocals, a lead line. Just an interesting effect. Um, yeah, and Captain, you're right. Hilarious towards the end. They are manic vocals. It is a ridiculous delivery. Uh, and then they're, no, nah, no, nah, too bad. <laughs> Just, like, laugh out loud funny. It's brilliant. Uh, <laughs> I laugh every time. And... 
the other thing is this song has a great great coda um, he could have just finished on the one but he doesn't the last four or five seconds just this really nice funky break and take a, take a chance listeners and, and everyone on, on the show when you listen to this track next time pay attention to the last three or four seconds he makes the synth bass sound like the instrument itself like as mm. if he's actually plucking the bass and un- unless I'm getting it confused and he is actually plucking a bass I think that's that's just a really cool really cool feat and a really cool effect he does just it just sounds like what the hell how did he get that sound out of a synth like that's crazy crazy mm. so you know not only is he a great Lindrum programmer he's a great synth bass programmer gives Stevie a wonder run for his money but um yeah that's my thoughts on this song. Another thing about this song is it's it's less than three minutes, and I, I reckon most guys could do what they had to do in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on to something a little bit more serious, or not. Track number six, America. Who's uh, Have we got a fan for America in the house? Yeah. Rock. Okay, fine. Player, it's yours. Uh, well, this song is no cause and effect. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, um, this is the revolution at their baddest. And even though it's built on the same drum foundations as Baby I'm a Star, they manage to turn it into a song of their own. It's just relentless. It has its own great energy. The intro is awesome. I originally had this album on cassette, and when the track started, I thought the tape was getting chewed in my machine. Just, <laughs> <laughs> um like, no. And I just, no, <laughs> I was exactly like that. The live no. video. <laughs> the so live I just video, bought it. <laughs> <laughs> the live video version, I mean, forget it. If you want to see Prince on fire as an all-rounder performer and band leader. And throwing out CDs. <laughs> <laughs> little record singles, yeah. <laughs> um, check out the full version of that video. And the revolution, they're often under, underestimated and understated. Doesn't he get the on the drums in that video? Sorry for yeah. interrupting you. At yeah. the end, yeah. Yeah, rips it up. Um, revolution are often underestimated, but the call-outs, the hand gestures, they were just super tight during this period. And the music was spontaneous to a point where you rarely see it these days. It's just an awesome track and another one that needs reviving in the live setting. Got to bring it back. America. He played it as the encore on the Act 2 tour in mm. Europe and it was it's oh, he needs to play yeah, it with, more with Michael B yeah yeah with Michael exactly. B just pounding the drums it was so yeah. good and the and then they just, and then they just go off on a jam for like 20 minutes it was yeah. oh it was so good oh. alright well keep it going Captain what are your thoughts on this track uh, I've got a bunch of things I've got a thing I found this statement about this song and I'll just, I can't, I, was, I can't remember where I found it now, but it was, this is what it says about this track. It's a blazing indictment of American arrogance and a great commentary on the severe situation of poverty and drug abuse that is so prevalent in the United States. And I never would have thought that in my life. So it was good to read it because now when I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah, I can sort of see that, but I never would have got that myself. All I got was, you know, it's some sort of political message. That's it. I don't think about stuff more than that. Yeah, but well, the, li- the lyrics are fairly clear. Because, like I said, I hardly listen to lyrics. So after I read that, I'm, I went and listened to the lyrics and read the lyrics. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, there's some, there's something there. I heard, I heard about another interpretation where he's talking about um, the previous year when Purple Rain got 
slap with the um, parental advisory sticker. Oh, from Tipper. How he's, yeah, and how like how he's talking about America, uh, keep your children free and things oh. like that, not, like not being censored and, and things like that. He's sort of addressing those sort of issues in this song as well. Like there's uh-huh. other things that you can read into it. Yeah, That's mm. interesting too. But yeah, this song, this is the rock track on the album. From no, it's not. <laughs> it's not? The last, is, the la- the last track. Oh, but that's yeah. that, that's that's fusion. <laughs> that, that's that's fusion. Blue, that's that's blues rock. This is straight okay. rock. Okay. This is um from the start stop. You know the you think your tapes getting chewed or your vinyls getting scratched, and something I noticed on this song, the kick drum, it's just slightly distorted. Yeah. Has anyone did anyone notice that? Yeah, just I've a heard tiny that bit, but I heard it. and I'm like, oh, I you heard did something it. on headphones. I didn't know what it was. I heard it and I'm like, oh, it's there, but it's not bad enough. And I'm sure it was on purpose because if it was any worse, it would have been bad. But <laughs> it's just the right amount of distortion. You got the funky rhythm guitar all through it. The one thing that really stands out to me on this song is the bass. It it just slaps right before every second snare hit and it it just grooves along. It just makes the whole song go. Is that, is that Brown Mark or? Uh, it would be. Yeah, it's this, a revolution this a, track. This yeah. is a band track, yeah. Yeah. But it's just it's right before the snare on like every second snare hit and it just it just drives this whole song. And this song that thing. Right before the snare, it's just it's it just kills you. Like on tambourine, you also have a tambourine all throughout this track, which is just slightly out of time as well. But not not really enough to annoy you, but it's there. Yeah, you stole my line. That's what I had as well. <laughs> it's just out of time, and it's there's lots of stuff on this album that's like that. Mm. And I'm I'm guessing that was intentional to add to the whole psychedelic thing. Mm. It was there's just all these little things that are just not right. And then for some bizarre reason, just after he asks why doesn't Jimmy pledge allegiance, and the little guitar thing comes in, the whole track goes from stereo to mono. And yeah, it's so, I hate it's so, that effect. It's so obvious when you've got headphones on. Just listening yeah, on your stereo yeah. or in the car, you don't notice it. But on headphones, it is so obvious, and I don't know why it's there. Every time I hear it, I, I'm like, what What the hell just happened? Yeah, it, it's just it really weird. distracts you when you listen to it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It bugs me every time. It's almost like someone was at the mixing desk and accidentally hit a button. Yeah, they just sat on the button. Yeah, and I thought... <laughs> They thought to themselves, oh, shit, we can't hit it again. It'll be too obvious. So they just left it and then faded it out. Maybe there is a reason. Who knows? Maybe. It could have it been, yeah, they were doing the final mastering and someone just sat on the, 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 the mono button <laughs> and like, oh, stuff it. <laughs> someone eating a bag of chips just <laughs> <laughs> planted there. <laughs> but that's uh, all I've got to say about America. It's groovy. Okay. Tajan. Gro- yeah, America. Um, it's a, It definitely comes from... The Baby I'm a Star workout from the Purple Rain tour, in my opinion, you can definitely see how they've it kind of evolved yep. into the song. Um, some really interesting lyrics. Um, may not be in the black, but she happy. She ain't in the red. You could read so much into that lyric in in so many different ways. Just really interesting. Uh, I agree with Play. I don't think this the album version really even comes close to touching the video version. The video version just smokes it so much that when I hear the album version, it's kind of a little bit disappointing for me. Um, but I have to agree with the baseline. The baseline to me is like classic release yourself Larry Graham kind of stuff. Just this rolling mm. baseline with some slaps in there. It's 
really funky. And I love the way you've got those keyboards on beat one, just that just the whole way through. It kind of gives this feel of like it's mechanical, like in, in an industrial machine kind of thing, which mm-hmm. kind of goes along with the lyrics, I suppose, about talking about America. Now, my theory on that mono ending is just because the track goes for like 20 minutes or something on the mm. extended version. And I think they've just like, all right, we can't put 20 minutes on the album. Let's edit it. How are we going to do it? Yeah, let's just make a little loop and let's just fade out. And it's it kind of comes across a bit cheap uh, in that sense. And I'm not a big fan of the intro as well with the, you know, the record skipping kind of thing. I, it just, I'm not a big fan of that kind of thing. Like, it's funny the first time you hear it and then after that, it's like, it's just annoying. Uh, you know what yeah. I think the, the inspiration from that came from as well? Yeah. You know how I mentioned about Cindy Lauper the year before? Also the year before was Shaka Can't I Feel For You. Yeah. Where they did something similar in track with where the record gets scratched. And I think with all the scratchy well. scratchies. Yeah. Mm. And you've got the cough in Raspberry Bro. I think it was kind of a popular thing at the time to have, you know, quirky intros. Kind of like in the 90s, yeah. everyone had a secret track kind of thing. In uh, the 90s where everyone um, yells out their record label in the yeah. track. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but this is, you know, again, I, I don't think it really works on a studio album, but again, live, it just, it totally smokes. Uh, and it's a really funky song. So there's my take on America. What you said, Tojam, about uh, the the version on the album of America is the edit. The the full version is the original full version. The one on the album is the edit. It's yeah. not like it's not yeah. like this is an album version and that's an extended version. That's right. The full track is like 21 minutes. Yeah. Which and was this released. Is, and this is an edit. That we, and we should probably say that the 21 minute version was officially released. On CD yeah. in France. Yeah, and well, it was officially <laughs> released. Yeah, it was, and it was officially released as a 12-inch. Yeah. And so, there's also you got Prince playing harmonica on that, which is a, a first, I think. Very badly, I must say, that Prince <laughs> playing harmonica on there. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know what? One, this album, I think this album had the best, um, not just B-sides but extended mixes as well, out of almost all of his albums. I mean, I don't know, I don't, I'm not a big fan a, like, of the Raspberry Bray 12 inch. I don't like that one. Oh, that's good. And America, the full version. Pop Life has got two Pop different Life. mixes. Pop Life's great. Pop Life Paisley really Park good. extended mix is great. Oh, I, I reckon this album and the B sides. What about the 21 minute version of Tambourine? Have you guys heard that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could last that long. Again, speak for yourself. God. I think we're all thinking it, but no one said it except you. <laughs> I meant listening to it. I don't think I could last listening to it that long. <laughs> all right. So, anyway, um, I'll close off America with some of my thoughts, which are the following. Um, the, the vinyl spinning, uh, yeah, I don't mind it. There's nothing wrong with it. But I do think that it's... I, I actually think that it does add something to the song in that it's kind of um, like I said tambourine was the, the, the kind of midway point and then to just start off with a funk groove after tambourine it would have just been I don't, it wouldn't have been as seamless to me so the fact that this kind of starts up again it, it's almost like the second half of the record is but starting it is. up side, it is side B side B yeah and, and that's why I think it's intentional so, um, well, it's obviously intentional. Sorry, that, that kind of sounds <laughs> wanky. But that's why I think that um, 
there's more to it than than just oh we'll add this little thing. It's kind of uh, suits the um, the fact that it starts upside too, like you guys are saying. But the it's typical Lindrum, um, very similar to Baby I'm a Star. But what I noticed on and when I was listening on headphones again, is that the symbols they've mixed some symbols in and it they seem to be live drums, like live symbols. I don't know if anyone else. Well, that's that. the way they used to do this, was just have the linen, like the bass and snare, and then just have Bobby Z crashing the cymbals. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't I wasn't sure about that. And maybe I haven't heard or paid enough attention to some of the other 80s stuff, but this was, um, yeah. Well, anyway, that came through when I was listening to it, and it was like very obvious. Because um, you can program a cymbal on a, like electronically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but Bobby Z had to be doing something. <laughs> they had to give him something to do. I, I just found that interesting. I think it's a really cool. In any case, it's it's interesting to mix live drums with 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 a lin drum or with an electronic drums or electronic pads even. Um, I like the the yeah yeah oh, I, I like that shout. Um, and it's the same reason why I like the um, the the shouts in 2010's Cause and Effect. Uh, I, I just I, a lot of people kind of don't dig it and they think it's lame or whatever, but I like it because I think it gives this... It's like a wake-up call. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm a little bit of a fan of that. The, the, the funky, funky bass is complete bottom end. It's just, you know, you mentioned Larry Graham and so many other great um, the funk bass players that this uh, can be attributed to, and it's really, really cool. Um, and the guitar lines, I actually think, are cool. Uh, they... In saying that, though, I have to say that they remind me of the guitar lines in um, Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Not only because they're quite similar, um, but because they give... I don't know if he's playing similar guitars, but there's a similar effect on them to me. Um, so it's just a little reference there. And, yeah, the tambourine, like Captain said, I'll just finish on this. It's throughout the track. It's funny how... It's almost as if like they recorded tambourine, then they recorded this they just had a tambourine lying around and thought to themselves, oh, well, you know, we'll just continue. Someone just rattled this thing for the next song. It was, like, really strange to hear it throughout the whole thing. But, again, it's a brilliant device because as funky as America is, it would be so much less funky without that tambourine. It gives it so Hmm. much more rhythm. It just propels it even more forward. You know, listen to this track again. Imagine no tambourine on it. Massive difference i can't believe i just said that but massive difference without a bit of tambourine and it's these bells and whistles that they really separate this artist and these artists from from so many others you know like just not not content to um to 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 follow the grain and and just rest on their laurels and particularly prince always looking to pepper and spice up his you know um his creations with with something more so that's really interesting but from um america we go into my favorite song on this album bar none third last track on the album one of my favorite songs that prince has ever done ever pop life and i have to quickly mention my favorite version of this song which is the version that they played during the 2002 One Night Alone era. I mean, oh, speechless. This is this is a great track. W O W Wow. It's all in the bass and 
mm. the keys, but the bass specifically. I mean, so simple, but so effective. I mean, what do you say about something like this? You know, some of the greatest music is created out of sheer simplicity, and and it it so ties in ties in so nicely with the drums and I should also say I think this is the first time on a Prince album that Sheila E is featured on the drums first time which is really really cool to hear and and you know it's great to hear her but the drum track is fairly basic as well Um, you put all those elements together and they just create a a great song here's a few interesting things that, that I hear they might not be entirely Accurate, but the way that I interpret them anyway, to my ear, the, the popping bass lines they actually um, complement and and almost replicate the bass notes played on the um, on piano. I don't know if you guys hear that as well, but they it's yeah it's fairly apparent to me. Uh, then there's also a, obviously an echo and a delay on the voice, and I, and I just think that is brilliant. It adds so much to the delivery. And uh, I think kind of gives gives the lyrics a lot more weight because the lyrics are quite poignant anyway. And by repeating them, it almost adds an extra element to them. And I, I think, you know, without trying to overanalyze it, I think that's done very purposefully um, to kind of register the message of the song more so than just have a cool effect on the vocals. He sings in, in kind of mid-register, which is brilliant. Always love when he does that kind of stuff. And you got this spacey synth in the background constantly throughout the track that just gives it, uh, opens up the soundstage uh, of of the of the performance and of the instrumentation. And then again, coming into that, you've got these female backup vocals um, on, but only on some lines. Uh, obviously, on the words "pop life," um, he's got them on there, but they're also um, in other parts of the song. It's this really hypnotic entrancing mid-tempo jam uh and you know simple two chord piano changes pretty much um with some nice improv from time to time some little light flourishes and and all those sorts of things but they they, i have to stop for a second and just really congratulate him on penning some brilliant lyrics and we'll get to if you guys agree with me or not but pop life contains some of prince's most um, concise but brilliant lyrics yeah. um, that is he has ever written uh, without a doubt um, you know just classic classic lines that you sing you know what's that underneath your hair is there anybody living there I mean are you kidding me that is not only is it funny but it's poignant and it's you can take these lyrics so many ways so um I'll just finish off by saying that the breakdown it was surprising to me the first time I heard it, and it's not really a breakdown so much as a intrusion almost to the song. And I believe that Wendy and Lisa composed and introduced that into the into the track. It sounds like some sort of march or rally, almost like a Martin Luther King type. It is, cl- it is, it is claimed to be from the Rolling Stones gig that Prince played support and threw <laughs> and, and threw vegetables at him. It's Rumoured to be from that gig. Imagine but, that. But I'm not convinced on that. Nah. Here's someone, it's, mm. well, while we're on it now, it, it sounds to me like a sample of some, like, circus or, like, cause you, you, it sounds like you hear, like, bells and you hear someone go, roll them all out. And I don't know, I just don't hear the, I don't hear a Rolling Stones crowd in there. 
Do you hear vegetables? <laughs> <laughs> vegetables being thrown. Yeah, so like this is um yeah, like it's just brilliant. It's brilliant. There's some subtle strings in there as well. It's just wow, pow, pop life. How? How do you write a song like this? I mean this is just pure bliss. And um yeah, I mentioned the live version before, but the live version just kills it. I mean, the version of One Night Alone um, at the Aladdin, One Night Live at the Aladdin, how good is that? With Eric Leeds? Oh, man. Unbelievable yeah. performance. Someone take it away from me. I think we need to do a whole show about Eric Leeds sometime. I thought you were going to say a whole show about Pop Life, because I'm up for that. <laughs> 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 nah, just Eric. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, who wants to take this? Anyone? Put up your hands. I'll take it if no little, one else wants it. Little babies. All right, Toe Jam, get into it. Uh, I love Pop Life as well. I remember the first Prince album I got was The Hits Volume 1, and I bought it mainly for uh, $19.99. And I remember listening to the album a few times, and the two other songs that stood out to me was Alphabet Street and this one, uh, just because it was so different to everything else on the album. Yet, And I just that bass just, you know, I remember I didn't hear the bass the first few times, and then suddenly it just hit me, man, this, this bass in this song is just kicking. And um, I think, it's a, again, it's a really good contrast because it's ultimately it's kind of a sad, melancholy song. But then you've just got the funkiest bass underneath it. And so it's, it's, it's genuine funk, but it's like from a melancholy kind of angle, which is really unique, I think. Um, like you said, some brilliant lyrics all the way through. Uh, and um, this interesting one about the boy in school. Show me a, a boy in school and I'll show you a boy aware. I've never understood that lyric. Is he saying, yes, you should stay in school? Or is he, say, is he saying, no, 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 you shouldn't? I've never... No, no, no. It's about the kid. It's about saying the kid is smart because he knows he's got to stay in school. Yeah, which is interesting because it kind of contradicts the America thing then. Some really interesting chords there as well. It starts off basically a, a one, six minor, four, very traditional. But what he does with the two piano chords, the two piano, uh, I guess you could call them chords, on top of those... The first one is like the major chord or the minor chord, whatever it is. And then he goes to the suspended chord on that. Normally, it would be the other way around. So really adds to that, that sort of airy feel to the song again. Um, I love the, the whistle flute sound again. The keyboards that da 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 which I think they really jazz up on the, on the live version. Yeah. Just finish up on the extended version. There's also a, a, an extra verse in there. Uh, with um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which I always found really interesting because I remember hearing that years later and thinking, wow, there's a whole other verse I didn't know about. Uh, so, it, yeah, brilliant track, brilliant track. One of his most unique tracks, I think. Uh, and, and I also agree, I love the Aladdin version in that era too. That was amazing. Like, uh, that, that's my take on pop life. So I was just going to add on, on to the end of what you were saying um, before we pass it around the uh, about the two, you said you can call them chords. Um I, I don't know how to explain what, what I hear, but we, we talk about his use of space or his ability to, to um, incorporate space into the music as an element itself, uh, almost as an instrument, <laughs> funnily enough. But it, it seems to me that when he plays those chords, the succession of notes in any case, the, um, he, he allows them to... Um, like he, he doesn't stop, stop them. Like He plays them out. Well, that's what I was saying. Normally, you'd, you'd have a long yeah. suspended chord, then finishing with a nice proclaimed, you know, yeah. release chord. But it's the other way around. He starts with the release chord, and then he has the sustain one. Yeah, and then... Really interesting. And then as opposed to that, and I don't know if this is kind of similar to what you said, but as opposed to that, you've got the bass, which 
doesn't. Like it cuts because it pops, it cuts off. And I think that's what you were saying. But I, I, I kind of, yeah, that was something I didn't really go into too much detail. But that's that's a very interesting contrast, isn't it? When yeah. the the piano's doing one thing um, musically and the bass is popping, and it gives this. It's like it really hits you, like the groove, but then the melody, and it's so discordant in a in a in a way. It, yeah. You can look at it that way. So yeah, it's, it's really and, um, nice effect. One final thing about the bass. And this goes for America as well. Anyone who, you know, doesn't like Larry Graham, I mean, this in America, there would these songs wouldn't exist without Larry Graham's influence, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. The, the octave bass. For sure. Octave bass, that's his thing, octave slap bass. And, you know, these two songs kind of exemplify that. Mm. Cool, cool, cool. Um, who wants this, Captain? Oh, yeah. I don't have that much to say about this song. You've got Brown Mark on the bass doing the bass thing, and you've got Sheila E on the drums for the first time. Um, but this song, I think, is... Everyone's praising this song, but I I don't... This is another song that I don't get. Wow. <laughs> I, think it's a, I think it's a good enough song, but I just don't really like it myself. What's it underneath your hair, Captain? Uh, there's no what one living there. Why don't you put it up your nose? <laughs> is that yeah, where all your money goes? You don't want to know. <laughs> but I, it's just one of those songs I don't get. I could listen to it and I'd go, yeah, that's, that's a decent song. It was a single. It did all right. But I just don't like it myself. Wow. But, um, I like the intro on the extended, one of the extended versions. It's got all this cool piano noodling. The extended we'll version's it. great for the la, 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 yeah. la, la. <laughs> Which was also on... Uh, one of the songs on Sheila E's albums. Mm. On the yeah, first or second album, there's a song, I think it's Glamorous Life or or one of those, mm. which has got exactly the same thing, but then he does this funky guitar thing at the end instead. Now, someone mentioned Brown Mark. It sounds like Prince on the bass to me. And it, it, look, you, could, you guys can just uh, hound me down and say, no, it's not, it's not but it, it sounds like him playing. It sounds like his touch on the bass. Is there anything... Other, did the fact point away from what well, I just said? In the lyrics book, well, yeah, it doesn't say. It sounds like a It doesn't say who's playing Prince the bass. bass line. But, it, either I, or, I reckon, but it could very well but, be Prince. But I'd guess this is a revolution track. It sounds like. Mm. Whoever made up that bass line, as simple as it is, is absolute genius. It makes the song far out. But yeah, uh, that's all I've got to say, is, which is not much at all. <laughs> it's got bass, it's got drums. Yeah. <laughs> got some cool lyrics about cocaine so who knows <laughs> um player finish this one off for us ah uh, like you said this song is all about the bass it's killer um the groove and melody is the star on this track it's another prince classic i love how this is prince's take on the pop life he was in at this period of his time and how it turns friends and characters in the industry into superficial people with temporary highs um, I agree with the Aladdin DVD performance. That's awesome. Um, the break in the song, like, towards the end, is a bit distracting. Because I had this on cassette initially, and like the start of America, I thought someone taped over this section of the tape. And I thought, damn, what happened there? Um, and I thought, damn, you're like, it's the best song, and then and someone's taped over it. But, yeah. Here's a um, question. Is there any version of this track without that on it? Or are they all... Like the that. extended version doesn't have it, I don't think. Yeah, the extended version doesn't have it. Uh -huh. Someone probably edited it in there somehow. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I was at um, 
Naughty by Nature concert back in '96. They were Woo. touring. Um, yeah, I love Naughty by Nature. Um, they were touring their album at the time, which was Poverty's Paradise. And I went to the concert, and they and they did their show. But in the middle of the show, they stopped everything, and the DJ KG just played Pop Life. Like he put it on, what? and they they didn't rap over it. They didn't. They just left it. They just played it. And and Church goes, just Church goes, just listen to the lyrics, everyone. And like everyone's just there, and like there's all these hip hop heads, and they're just like mystified. They're just looking at each other, go, "What the fuck is this?" And I'm there, and I'm grooving to it. I'm probably like the only person there that knows what the song is, and I'm just grooving to it. And everyone's just like, "What the hell is this?" And Tretch was like, "You guys got to listen to the lyrics of this song," and it, they just played the whole song from beginning to end, and they didn't say anything over it, and it was they just awesome. They stood there in awe. They did. It was just great. It was just great. I think. Maybe because their album was called Poverty's Paradise, I think the poverty lyrics in this, where poverty's bringing it down, I think they wanted to sample it maybe in their mm. record, and Prince said no. So maybe it's got something to do with that. But mm. they just played it. I just thought it was a really cool moment that they just played Pop Life just in the middle of their concert. <laughs> MC, you said the, the, the crowd noise, it's an intrusion into the song. Well, just like, you know, like paparazzi and stuff is to someone in the pop life it's an intrusion interesting oh interesting it could be a um yeah a, a way to put into music what you know to explain the um that the, the impact of the media maybe is what you're saying mm. Mm. you never know mm. um so on that note we go into the ladder and well, this is a song that I've got a lot to say about, but I won't start on this. Um, I'll hand it over to Player. What is what are your thoughts on on this on this song? Well, again, this is built on the drum foundations of the live rendition of Purple Rain, but it managed to turn it into a different style of track. It's a great gospel vibe. It's very uplifting. It's, it reminds me more of um, Still Would Stand All Time in its vibe. It has a positive message, the awesome choir style backing with Wendy and Lisa again on the background vocals. It's just a fantastic track about spiritual completion. And yeah, there's nothing much more I can say. I'm, I really, really like it. Okay. Um, Toe Jam. Yeah, it's, it's a moving song. Um, but yeah, to me, it's a bit of a poor man's purple rain in some ways. Like, it's really not that much different. It's it's very similar groove, very similar, like, uh, what he's talking about. So, not that it's bad, but it kind of feels a bit, oh, okay, I've heard that on the last album. Kind of. um, I'm not a big fan of the story as well, of the King and Electra and all this kind of thing. It's like, <laughs> it just seems a little bit um, throw, throwaway be. kind of lyrics to me, so... Um, but having said that, you know, it is moving. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, I like the way, again, Wendy and Lisa, their vocals, particularly towards the end, it kind of gives it like a, a school choir kind of feel in a good way. That it, you know, And it, again, fitting in with the theme of the album, but very sing-along, you know, it's, it's very childish kind of thing. Um, and I like the bit towards the end when, it, when the chorus is just repeating and repeating. And, uh, you know... The, the vocals go the steps you take are no easy road and you hear someone in the background going that's for sure have yeah. a listen out for mm. that it's pretty funny that and, sounds um, like Wendy possibly yeah one of them and I, you've got Eddie M on this track is this the first one he's on in this album yeah yeah, yeah so first print song with Eddie M on it on record and he does a decent enough job I suppose 
Um, yeah, so it's not a bad song. You know, you, you'll you'll move, you'll be moved by it when you hear it, but it, it's not going to do anything more than Purple Rain did, I think. I take. All right, Captain, what are your thoughts on the ladder? Oh, this is a great song. Um, I think you can you can look at it as it's Purple Rain Part Two, or you cannot, and mm. you can just look at it as this is a this is a, a song, not just a song, but it's a song. This is another track. It was co-written uh, with his father. He's got co-writing credits because I believe the chordal basis for this song came from Prince's father. So he says. So that's why he's got co-writing credit. And also for Temptation, because the latter and Temptation are pretty much exactly the same song. What? In case, in, in case what? anyone hasn't in case what anyone are you noticed, talking about? <laughs> chord progression's exactly the same except for one different chord they're exactly the same song yeah but that doesn't make them the same song (laughs) exact same a lot of a lot of songs have the same chord progressions and they're completely different but this is a very particular but this is a very strange particular chord progression which i haven't heard on any other song that i can think of so in that way they're very similar it's not like it's just your normal chords like you know peach or something Mm. i mean these songs musically or musically chordally they're very similar. There's only one difference. But yeah, this song was recorded in Minneapolis, December 23rd, 1984. But I really like this song. To, for me, even though Raspberry Beret's, you know, the one of the perfect pop songs, I think I like the latter more because I just do. I don't know why. <laughs> I like the latter and Temptation. I don't know why. The ladder is very important to the artwork on this album. It's right in the middle of like the main picture going up to up to the sky. And if you remember at the end of the Purple Rain tour, he said, oh, I'm going to quit live performing. Oh, we've never heard that before. I'm going to retire from doing concerts. What are you doing? I'm going to look for the ladder is what he said, which was uh, everyone said, OK, whatever. You're insane. And then he comes out with this album. Interesting. Coincidence. Yes. Or fate. <laughs> okay, so go, MC. You're, it's all yours. Go. Okay. Go for gold. Uh, the latter. Well, I'll finish the review of this song by saying that this is a stunning, stunning performance. Uh, you know, you can say what you want about the chord progressions and about the song and about everything else, but all of that really is meaningless without the power... Um, the passion and the the heart and the soul of this song i mean it is it's an ode to a a better day uh, a better life a better world but more so you know climbing the ladder and and a better uh, you you can read it a number of ways is it heaven is it is it um you know the the final resolution you know uh, you know is it is it the end of the world? Is it will purple rain be flowing? Who knows? All sorts of questions can be asked. But whatever the case, the concept of a ladder um, implies the act of climbing. Climbing implies the act of moving upwards or towards something, um, and that in itself is positive. And this is a very positive and powerful song. It's very honest, and I think it, it actually, the, at, the, at its core, uh, says 
a few fairly obvious but deep and meaningful things about society and about people. You know, we all are looking for or searching for something, even if we don't know it. And uh, even if we don't know, you know, what we're really working towards, um, there, there has to be something that, that, that we're kind of pushing towards, or at least everyone's got questions that they want answered. And I think the latter kind of touches on, on all of those concepts. And it does so in a way that is accessible to all. And it does so musically in a way that is stunning to listen to. I can understand that the that you know the, the, there's an element of repetition, but I think that with every repetition the song grows stronger. And man, Lenny Kravitz once said that Prince has an amazing voice and amazing vocal abilities, and basically that his vocal abilities are, are limitless. That he can do anything with his voice, and this this song is a stunning um, example of that. I mean, he. He just goes all out. I mean, this is a combination. His voice on this is a combination of 60s soul, Al Green, Marvin Gaye, you know, etc., etc. There's a bit of Mahalia Jackson in there even. I mean, there's everything. And he hits some ridiculous notes. The conviction in his voice is fairly hectic to listen to um, you know Captain mentions that there are some unique chord changes and, and chord progressions in this but what's really unique to me is again I'm talking about this for a while but it's the vocal delivery um, and you know, it's as if you're, you're in a church a uh, gospel setting and, and under, as an undercurrent to all of that is this kind of simple uh, blues piano that, that allows EDM to, to get a bit lyrical, I actually think he does a fantastic job on this. It sounds a little bit inventive, and he's definitely inspired and heartfelt. Uh, the drums hit it just perfect. Uh, I mean, this is they 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 come down perfectly, like on the breakdown, and and there's I don't know that, that anyone has commented on on the guitar in this song. And nope. <laughs> and a lot of people I don't even know if people realize that there's a guitar in the latter, <laughs> but there are some really nice guitar effects on the guitar it almost as if he's taken like a, like a bottle and, and 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 put the bottle against the fretboard and then just lightly picked um some of the strings to to induce um a very strange uh very very strange kind of um ethereal uh sounding um sound <laughs> and and the screams man the screams are ridiculous there's some organ trinkling around in the background as well a lot of delicate cymbal work and, and some very nice crashes from whoever's playing the drums we can only imagine it's Bobby Z simple stuff but brilliantly executed the latter is a gospel masterpiece um, certainly not the greatest song on this album but man I, I was expecting a lot more praise for this track Purple Rain 2 I just don't see it I see it in the in the in the beat uh, yeah. the tempo definitely and in parts I guess the vocal and delivery and the um, the message to a degree but I think they're actually saying two different things I mean let's not get into the meaning the no, definitions I, think I, guess. I think it's a similar metaphor you know the Purple Rain to come and wash and you know it's the same sort of thing going for the ladder you know it's it's not that and like i said it, you know it is a moving song there's no doubt about it but i think for me it's 
it's just a bit overkill kind of thing after Purple Rain. And also, and like I said, the the story about the King and Electra, it just seems like, oh, I've got this really great metaphor and I've got this really big chorus. Uh, I better put a little story at the beginning kind of thing. It just seems a bit rushed. To, I think rushed is the best way I could say it. But like I said, it's, it's still moving. Mm. One more thing about the ladder. The interesting about the placing of the ladder on the album, because if it was the last track, everyone would have said, you know, it's the Purple Rain of the album. Yeah. But by putting it second last and then putting Temptation last, he just threw that out the window, which was mm. great. Because if you put it last, everyone would have said, oh, yeah, this is the Purple Rain part two. It's a good point you make, because if it was the last track, I think even, like, I would see it that way, definitely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting how sequencing plays, what part sequencing plays in, in the effect of an album or a song even. Mm. Well, that, that finishes up um, my thoughts on that. And uh, let's get into the last track now. Uh, finishing off this, this amazing, uh, amazingly eclectic album. Uh, it's certainly a thrill to talk about for me and, and for, I guess, all, all of us here at the Peach and Black podcast. But uh, we're going to leave you guys with our thoughts on the last track. Uh, hot lust animal love whatever you want to say temptation <laughs> um, player dive this into this is the darling Nikki of this album but a little ah. bit faster <laughs> Nikki too a bit more f- <laughs> bit more ferocious guitar is the star Eddie M is the star on the sax um, lyrics and some of the screams are a little bit cheesy but this wins in the guitar department with its rockified four-beat blues groove. It's just um, Prince, he takes you down this explicit road and gives the listener salvation if they self-choose to do so. And, yeah, it's just, it's really cool. I also love the end where he just, it's just a simple goodbye, you know, he says goodbye and then it just, and it fades out and <laughs> that's the end of the album. Um yeah, you could have put the latter as the last track, the last uplifting track to finish off the album, but yeah, he's replaced it with this and then he's just put the little goodbye at the end. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Captain, thoughts? This is my favourite track on this album and possibly one of my favourite Prince tracks ever. Wow. It's in the top ten. Wow. I want to hear the, what the other nine are. <laughs> this... this- this song, well, th- this whole album, to me, after listening to it so much in the last few days, this album is Prince being Prince. It's, to me, it's it's him doing what he wants to do. Because it was. Purple Rain was the big thing, and then this album was, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. Mm. And he did it. I agree with he, you there. He did what he wanted to do and stuff for everyone else, and it was great. And this song is the best song on this album, according to me. The guitar, you know why? I know why it is too. Why is because that? Because there's no there's no whammy bar. I knew you were going to say that's, that. That's part yep. of it. That's part of it for sure. It's all it's all natural talent. <laughs> but um, but <laughs> yeah, like that unnatural whammy bar. Mm. Yeah, it's a, I don't know what that is. It's um, but this song is your classic example of Prince and his ongoing struggle between sex and religion. But this is uh, it's just so good. I'm not too fast on the conversation at the end of the track. <laughs> See, if, if the latter could have been the last track, the conversation at the end of that track would have been weird. <laughs> wouldn't it? It just wouldn't have worked, I think. It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have worked if at the end of the latter he said, now die. <laughs> yeah. that, that would have that been a bit of a downer on his spiritual <laughs> enlightenment. 
Yeah. Maybe but in the original configuration, maybe it was temptation and he had like the conversation with God and he chooses salvation and then it goes into the lab. Oh, and then that was the climax ending. That makes Maybe a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. But then he saw it, oh, then they'll think it's As Purple Rain Part 2. Rain. And then they've switched it. Maybe. Oh, but if he gave a crap, then that makes, that ruins my whole theory of the album. If he gave a crap what anyone was going to think about it. <laughs> anyway, um, vocals are amazing. Guitar is amazing. This, this song just ticks every box for a great Prince track. Saxophone again, Eddie M. The Ladder in Temptation saxophone is just so good yep. and it's not just i mean he might not be the best player in the world i have no idea but just what he plays on these two tracks fits perfectly mm. on the latter it's beautiful on whatever happened to eddie m he was he was playing with chris coleman oh man how how imagine the buzz of seeing eddie m play live oh god that'd be crazy i reckon, I reckon eddie m's like a, a, a like a mix of eric leeds and maceo like he's got like the midway sound between the, those two guys. Mm. I see Eddie M as more coming from the more like Wayne Shorter kind of school. Like he's kind of more into like sort of effects, like just random sound effects kind of thing, as opposed yeah. to like just you know playing crazy lines. I don't know. Just my my take. I don't know. I hear some of the lines that he plays here, and they they remind me of Candy Dulfer in 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 parts. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah like I see kind that. of quite lyrical. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see him live, though. Like, if he was back with the band, that'd be great. But, I mean, didn't Eddie M, wasn't he only a part of these two songs and then he was never heard from again from the, in the Prince camp? Well, he played with Sheila. No, for Sheila E. He was no, Sheila. from an album point of view, like, he's never been on any other Prince album. Mm, I don't think so. No. Which is interesting. The last we saw of him was in the America video with Eric Leeds, and then the next year when Prey came out, it was just Eric Leeds. Mm. Yeah, and he's sort of gone. Okay, <laughs> this song... The, the guitar is just... It blows my freaking head off. From like 3.23, it starts the guitar solo and the scream starts and then into the guitar solo and it is just freaking amazing. I can listen to this song a, a lot of times. Oh, something interesting. In this song, I looked in the lyrics book. He says, I want you in the worst way. <laughs> Not the West Wing. The worst way does make more sense, especially in this song. You got the last line with the, I don't know when I'll return, which, you know, because he's going to look for the ladder. And also because he said he was retiring from live performances. So, so everyone, he said it at the concerts and he said it on the album and everyone thought, oh, he's never going to do a concert again. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, just for a second, if we can take 10 seconds out on mm-hmm. this show and think about it. Imagine if, just hypothesizing, imagine if this was the last album Prince ever made and literally disappeared no one ever heard from him again <laughs> like if he actually him. followed through on what he, he said he followed the ladder he, he yeah. went up heaven and never came back imagine he never made a single more another second of music and that was it you want me to imagine Prince didn't follow through on an idea he had I don't know if I can do that <laughs> <laughs> I, my, I can't stretch my brain that far yeah, but I, <laughs> I just think theoretically That's it's such so an interesting out. such an interesting concept. Imagine if it all ended with Around the World in the Day. I actually wonder whether he, how serious he was or whether it was just a bit of a publicity stunt. Like, mm. 
How many times has he yeah. retired? <laughs> but I think that actual statement was it was half publicity stunt and half um, like he's come off the back of Purple Rain, which means that he did that tour for six months straight, mm. night after night or whatever. Yeah, you like you get you get sick of it by the end of it. I mean, I'd make the statement like that too. You know, I'm never doing live performance again because like you were just doing like that album over and over. You, you would have got the shits with it for sure. So I would have said something similar. Through the end of the Purple, like the last few weeks of the Purple Rain tour, he started playing America and Raspberry Beret and Bits of Temptation, which would have been cool if you were there. How do you know that? Oh, I've heard <laughs> things. I've talked to people. Reading set lists. Reading set lists, exactly. Hmm. But imagine you that. Know what, it'd, a lot of, it'd be cool. A lot of people say that this, this album doesn't sound like Purple Rain, but there's a lot of Purple Rain elements in it, especially the tour, like Temptation, mm. the, the, the talking with God, that was that was in the thing, along with some of the music at the start of Condition of the Heart. Um, the drum beat of America. Uh, the America drum beat of came America. from which song? Baby, I'm a Star. And the letter um, came from Purple Rain. The letter Rain. from Purple Rain. Um, yeah, but I know what you're saying. A lot, of, a lot of people say that they're really different albums, but they're really similar in a lot of ways too. That's right, yeah, exactly. When you look at it, there's a lot of things that are the same. It's interesting. Oh, I think they're very dissimilar. They're very dissimilar, but there is an element of it in there. Yeah. But you really have to sort of sit down and look for it to find it. Yeah, you've it. got to sift through it. I mean, this yeah. is this might as well be another a, di- a different artist. I mean, how yeah. many artists can you think of that take such a such a massive do a massive turn like a complete 180? I think it's more that this album is more. Um, experimenting with some of the more interesting musical elements of the Purple Rain sound. That's the way I Expand, hear it. It's expanded. Expanding. Yeah. Uh, I had a weird thought today. It wasn't a weird thought. It was a cool thought. It, it, it would have been a great idea. Imagine if he put as much promotion into Around the World in a Day as he did some of his other albums. Imagine if this album had like huge promotion, it had a tour, and it had everything else video like decent video clips t- to promote it i was imagine what that would have done obviously yeah. nothing by the sound of you <laughs> I, I think the material itself fragmented the audience i don't think there's too much you could have done to to um to change that i don't know but if he didn't put it out nine months after purple rain he could have had a six month holiday and done nothing and then started doing some shows and then put the album out and started over mm. without having it come straight off the back of Purple Rain. He could have done some other stuff in between or done nothing in between. Just had a bit I of think, time. I think, I think Warner Brothers would want to get something out as soon as possible. To, to capitalise. Yeah, they mm. would have put the heavy on him to get something out. But what they weren't expecting was this and they got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it would have been interesting. If he toured like the whole album and played the whole thing, I, I can't imagine Temptation live, and probably we're not going to hear it anytime soon. So that's sad. Okay, um, Joe Jam. Temptation, yeah. This on its day can be the most annoying Prince track, or it can be the like one of the best Prince tracks. It's just it's total quirkiness, and when you when you hear it and you're ready to hear it, it just it, like Captain said, it does blow your mind off. It's basically just a blues. It's basically just simple blues with a nice little turnaround. That It's simple, <laughs> simple as. Um, 
but yeah, everything's all distorted and crunchy. And he's got that effect on the guitar, that uh, sort of delay echo effect that just keeps... So he'll play mm-hmm. like two notes and then it'll just keep playing those two notes like four times. Right. And then he'll play another one. And the whole time he's just playing like off this echo effect kind of thing. It's really cool the way he builds a solo using that. Um, it's a great solo. Uh, there's some great piano playing at the end with the, when the um, God discussions mm-hmm. happen. It's amazing piano playing. Oh, oh silly man. Yeah, um, that's not how it works. Again, some really interesting humor, like comedy elements, where he's, "I want to taste the wetness between your," and then you hear the sax go. <laughs> classic, classic stuff. <laughs> um, you've got a really, again, another Larry Graham reference. You've got a massive shika in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> towards the end, somewhere I think. Yeah, and also all throughout the whole song, you've got this drum machine, just really soft, doing those. Uh, running through the whole song I'm trying to figure out what that is what is that it's a drum machine of some sort of shaker kind of thing I guess it it sounds like he's 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 taken a a, a drum sample and like inverted it or something and then like played it backwards yeah Yeah, through a a pedal or something yeah yeah and um but I really like the way it actually goes from the main song into the conversation at the end the way it sort of breaks down and you just hear that and then it sort of goes in this other direction kind of thing. It's almost like, you know, he's fallen asleep playing the song, and then he, this is the dream part kind of thing. Oh. And, uh, and at the end where, you know, God supposedly kills him, uh, it, it's actually kind of, like, haunting, I find. Like, hmm. it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, like, you know, he's screaming, and he, you feel for him kind of thing. <laughs> but then at the same time you think is he just taking the piss and it, once again it's theme throughout the album is he taking the piss or is he being just Toe Jam, reach, toe jam reaches for the covers <laughs> <laughs> um, it's B grade movie-ish that last scream it is mm. it is but it's like but it's, <laughs> but it's, but it's also but it's also great it's almost as bad as the death scene in Under the Cherry Moon <laughs> hey, that, that's classic. You leave that alone. That's that's art. But yeah, you know, I have to agree with Captain. Like, this is just Prince saying, "I'm just doing what I want to do. I'm just going to have fun. It's, it's going to be funny. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be everything, everything and anything in this song." Um, and once again, you know, he's screaming and his his vocals are just unbelievable. So a really and a, you know, it's a really cool way to finish an album I think it's just this wow what the hell kind of song was that uh, but you know having said he's all talking that ab- he's talking about sexual temptation <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah. so having praised all that sometimes when you listen to it it is kind of annoying because it's such you know you can't listen to this song in the background you've got to be listening to it for every single mm-hmm. sound so mm, yeah. in that respect well not, not that it's bad but it's not something you can play to your friends like some of us say sometimes so there's um, temptation for you. Yeah, I, I'll uh, round this out by saying I agree with most things that you guys have said. The guitar sound is really nice. It's heavy. It's got some reverb on it. He's definitely playing the cloud, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, they're great rhythm arrangements in this track. Very rare that... Actually, now that I think about it, it's very impressive uh, that Prince very rarely employs traditional 
uh, rhythm arrangements outside of classic rock and classic funk. Like, he very rarely employs classic jazz. Very rarely does he employ um, however many bar blues, you know, classic blues. Very rarely does he employ classic reggae. Do you know, if you get my drift, like... Yeah, there's always a twist to it. Yeah, but here, the twist is... Um, external to the to the rhythm, to to how the rhythm is is um, laid laid down. The rhythm's pretty by the books, you know. There's not and even Eddie M's playing as good as it is is by the books. Um, he, he does a few kind of quirky things. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of like the the rolling bass line. Actually, it's not rolling, but it's uh, how do you explain it? It's it, you could imagine them playing this like in a swing trio. Yeah, yeah. Like you took the words right out of my mouth there. I've got it in my notes. I like a lightly, uh, uh, faintly swinging bass. Really, is what yeah. it is. But it's, it's um, and maybe someone can correct me here. Um, I've got to read up on my music theory. But I think it's actually off time as well. Like it's, it's out of time. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is the bass is not in time with the um, the drum tracks. When I hear it, it's kind of weird. Um, Just about everything on this album is a tiny bit out of time. <laughs> and he's, I'm sure he's done it on purpose. It sounds odd. He's, it too, much sounds of a, odd. he's too much of a perfectionist for it all to be an accident. Mm. Um, it's all there for a reason. So, yeah, I, I, I hear that. And, and really, um, like we mentioned the blues, but because of the swinging bass and a few other embellishments, it really also is based loosely on um like i said traditional jazz song structures so interesting just interesting you don't hear a lot of that in prince music i mean out of outside of court and time and a few others he doesn't really does do this kind of stuff um there's a really strange drum pad or on or, or noise that that um toje mentioned that he kind of loops all the way through the through the track and it's very that's the one yeah. and it's very similar to what he does with the tambourine on the song tambourine and america and again i think it's it, it, it's obviously intentional but i think it's placed into the placed throughout the track from beginning to end to propel it to give it this almost menacing quality and like i anyone who listens to this album Take out next time you listen to this album. Take out the tambourine out of all the songs that have tambourine on this album, and take out that noise that Captain just made out of this track, Temptation, and imagine the difference. It is not marginal. It is huge. But when you listen to it, you just take it for granted. Um, so it propels a song. The guitar distortions are everywhere. They're brilliant. I agree with you guys. Lots of chords, lots of sax, and the line. This is the. You know, there's some great lines, but not only is a great is this a great line, but the delivery it oh. is out of this world. And I, I'm gonna try and do it, but when he's like, his voice starts breaking up, and he goes, "I love it when a body's touched." <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it almost builds up to the point where he just breaks. Yeah. <laughs> It's really it explodes. cool. It explodes. I can't contain the laughter when I hear that. And then right after that is a menacing scream, and I just laugh my freaking head <laughs> off. Um, it's ridiculous, the screams here. Crazy vocals. Falsetto going off. 
very and then he hits some very very low notes in the lower register um it sounds great when the instrumental part of the song and the rhythm part of the song is just playing his vocal lines in unison so that so the instrumentation is in unison with his vocals in the probably three quarters of the way through the song and um in fact the guitar is out of key um around the halfway mark it's not in li- it's not in line with the with the um with the rest of the song but it uh, i'll say it works because it's a nice effect but it's kind of like yeah it, it puts you off when you listen to it and i think that's the point of the song it's like you question you check yourself what are you in this for so i think it's brilliant when he does that you like we've, we've spoken about how he does that on all sorts of tr- tracks um most recently on like 17 days on our b-side show but he just he imply he uses um musical elements to to support what the song is getting at and i think that is such an underrated element in a composer um classical composers do that brilliantly pop composers don't generally spend a lot of time on that and that's where um again he he shows up as um part of the very limited range of pop artists that that um put so much t- you know effort and and um uh, craft back into the, the music um, and, and really the other thing is that this is all of this is happening and then you've got these last couple of minutes and I won't talk about the this, the God talk too much but the um, the piano playing and the kind of uh, ambient noises are very avant-garde very art pop um, and some excellent piano playing whoever mentioned that spot on like just so it, it's as if um Thelonious Monk-esque, you know? It's kind of like, yeah. he plays a note where where you wouldn't traditionally hear it, or sorry, he plays a succession of notes on the piano where you wouldn't traditionally hear them, kind of just stops, pauses. It's as if he actually literally stops, pauses, look around, thinks of what else to do. It's kind of like disjointed, start, stop, or what, what do I do next? But it comes off sounding um, uh, loose and... and uh, noodling. Yeah, noodling. Noodling, but not the kind of... It's just good noodling, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, and then it finish on this great. I mean, the finish of Temptation to me is stunning. The last three seconds, just like on Tambourine, <clears throat> um, finishes on this great harp strum. Yeah. Off and away. Oh, come on! Brilliant. It's mm-hmm. it's as good, if not better, um, than the end of uh, you know Another Lonely Christmas or something like that, or Power oh. Fantastic. It's just one of those things that genius personified like Midas touch to the end and what a way to finish the album around the world in a day certifiable classic in my eyes what do you guys think just to round it out uh, I think as kind of what we were saying before like it is to me this whole album is like taking the experimental elements of Purple Rain and amplifying that and adding all the world music stuff to it and you know almost like making an effort to make it sound as weird as possible. But having said that, he's not doing it in a gimmicky kind of way. Mm. He's doing it genuinely. But at the same time, the whole way through the album, he's got this this kind of, I'm kind of taking the piss kind of feel kind of. That's the way I always hear this album. And that's like a really underrated uh, aspect of his, of Prince, is his, com- com- of, is, his um, is his comedy and that he can take the piss out of himself. Uh so that's the way I hear this album. And, uh, are we we going to give a score out of 10? or? Oh, yeah. Score it. 
Oh, Might as well. This will be interesting. I haven't given much thought. This is a, a tough one to score because it's it's not an album you can like. This album you have to listen to from start to finish. In my opinion, it's not something you can like. Even 1999, which is one of my probably one of my favorite albums. You know, I can play a song from that and then come back to it later on. But this one, you've got it. You've got to listen to it from start to finish. It's it's a it's a forty minutes um, journey. Journey. That's right. That's right. So it's really hard to score. Um, I'm probably going to lean to an eight, eight and a half, maybe, maybe. Uh, the only thing that's holding it back is, um, I guess there are some, sometimes it does, like I said, you can't listen to it all the time. Sometimes it does come across a little bit, uh, childish, I guess. Uh, but again, in a good way. So yeah, I'm going to give it eight and a half around the world in a day. All right. Anyone else? Whoever's next in line, captain. Nine and a half. Wow, big score! I was, I was, uh, every time I give a score out of ten, I think I've got to leave some room for. for there's a couple that, that are better. There's, <laughs> there's not much. There's not much better than this. So it's going to be nine and a half. Just because this song, this album has temptation, it's nine and a half. Mm-hmm. I just love that song. I, I, I'm still talking about temptation. The lyrics. <laughs> the lyrics on that song. <laughs> the lyrics. Mine is the running hot water of the daughter of morality. What a line. Yeah. What does that mean? Is um, what I want to. <laughs> I mean, working my body with a hot flash of animal lust. Uh, let's touch. Pop go mama when daddy gets a little too much. It's How good just, is that? It's just amazing. I thought he, when I first heard that, I thought he was going to say, Pop goes the weasel when. <laughs> but he says, Pop. <laughs> Ridiculous. But yeah, nine and a half. All right. Player. Overall, I think this shows creative musical growth for Prince and it really tested the true fan base. And for those Purple Rain fans who took one listen to this album and dismissed it, have missed out on a real treat and a masterpiece. When I listen to this album, it has that warehouse sound where they used to rehearse in that warehouse and record things. And some of the tracks come off on that sort of vibe where they rehearse parts of the Purple Rain tour and they did these little songs in between. I really get that vibe off it. I've got to mention the artwork because, I mean, I think this is the other half to this whole album is the artwork. Mm. Um, the final picture wasn't the first illustration. You could do a simple search on Google to check out the original design, but it's a little bit different. I prefer the final artwork. Uh, yeah. It was made by Doug, Doug Henders. It was a creation of the characters from the songs and Polaroids of the band members from the Pepperoni Tour. Um, has, has anyone spotted where Prince actually is standing in that picture? Yes, because he's very clear. I've I spotted him only recently. Where is he, well, player? Top right hand corner, right? Yeah, yeah in the he's, white. He's the guy in the white. Yeah. Who are the other but two? Dudes? I always thought the guy in the Doctor Fink outfit looked a lot like him too, though, with the crazy hair. Yeah. In the white coat and the green. Maybe it's like Eddie Murphy in the Nutty Professor. He's playing multiple <laughs> parts. Could be. Yeah. Um, the ladder in the center dividing the two sides of the characters leading from the water to the sky. I mean, everything on the left is chaos. And you can see that with the rough water, um, the cracks in the pavement with the grass growing out of it, the war plane. Whereas on the right-hand side, you have the members similar to the Revolution Band members. And the water is calm on this side of the ladder and there's no cracks in the pavement. It's just covered in confetti. Praise Jehovah. Yeah. It has more spiritual characters on this side. What's with Um, the crazy, crazy clown? Where's I don't know what's 
Maybe there was an outtake we never heard. Maybe. The, the crazy clown song. Um, yeah, I see. I, I definitely see Prince as the middle hooded character at the top middle with the white robe overseeing the whole landscape. But I've seen analysis of this artwork where they interpret the androgynous character holding the ice cream is supposed to be Prince, and I disagree with that. But, you know, it's open for it interpretation. Does have a, it does have a similar face, I noticed. I just noticed something I've never noticed. Looking at it right now. Have a look at the wall in the background and the shape yeah, it's, that's in. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. I never noticed that. Oh, <laughs> I, never, I never noticed that either. That's yeah. a woman. Might be some tambourine time after all. Well, if it isn't a woman... <laughs> Yeah, um, there's so much there's so much to this artwork and after all these years there are parts of the pitch I look at and wonder what it means or represents and I think it's cool that the picture doesn't give you all the answers it just keeps you guessing and you can always find little mm. things in it now is, like, am uh, I correct in my assumption that that's Prince's father in the bottom right hand corner no because that's uh, the I way I always saw it the guy with the with the uh, walking stick maybe I never saw it as that but see this is the yeah, thing there's so much interpretation to it but great artwork, great album. Happy 25th birthday around the world in a day. I'm going to give it 9 out of 10. Ooh, nice. Very, very good. Good scores and here. I'll just say you got the woman there playing violin. That could be Novi Novog. You're preoccupied with that name, aren't you? Could be. It's, a, it's such a cool <laughs> name. We should get Novi, Novi on the Novi. show, actually. Novi Novog. Where's Novi? That's we'll, fine. We'll, um, we'll go through our sources and we'll, um, we'll try and get Novi Novog on the show, everyone. <laughs> Novi's cool. listening. Um, how good would that be? We can discuss some of the work she did on the album. I'll just say one more thing about the artwork is all the singles as well had yeah. like blow-ups of each character and then there was even more detail in those pictures. Mm, yeah. And, and how oh, can you forget B-sides of this? Like you mentioned earlier, but yeah, wow. It's got some of the greatest B-sides and extended mixes Ever. of any album that he's I mean, done. she's always in my hair. Give me a break. Yeah. Oh, I'm still going to stand by. That song should have could have been and easily could have been on this album. It wouldn't even have to have been in place of anything. You could have just had 10 tracks. It would have been great. Length. I reckon if it, if it was CD back then, it probably would have been, but because of the length of a, an LP. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because you only had like 40-something minutes, didn't you? Yeah, 55 or so. Yeah, Maybe is, it was originally on it, and, and he took it out to make it sound more obscure. Because like I said before, the, the She's Always In My Hair sounds like, like a hit. And with Raspberry Beret, maybe, you know, he might have seen it as, like, Purple Rain Part 2 and maybe pulled it to make it, give it more that obscure mm. sound. Anyway, All right. who knows? Well, I don't think I've given my score yet, and there's an easy way to score this album in a sense, because there's nine tracks. Um, <laughs> so, if you're reasonably good at maths, you can come up with a, a reasonably accurate average. But... Um, Let's get your iTunes score, brother. I, <laughs> I, I couldn't go to sleep at night comfortably if I gave this album anything less than a nine. I couldn't. Good call. But, but I'm not giving it a nine. <gasps> I'm giving it a nine and a half. Because, Same as me. Because this is an unbelievable piece of work from, you know, encapsulating everything that all of you guys have said, and obviously including my own comments, from post-Purple Rain, you know, the, the whole landscape, the mid-80s, the turn in direction, the influence and collaboration of the band members, the very rare inclusion of his father, 
um, the inclusion of other composers, the inclusion of string sections, the unabashed inclusion of influences, but never, like someone else mentioned, never, um, never done so in a cheap, obvious fashion, always princified to a degree. The playing on the album's unbelievable. The inclusion of a good portion of albums that are completely um, completely done by Prince from start to finish. Um, the fact that it's a concise album um, time-wise speaking and also the fact that there's only nine tracks but you know at the end of listening to this I need to take a shower or something like <laughs> it's just Around the World in a Day is a great title because I feel like I literally have gone through so much and every time you hear it I know this sounds kind of strange to say but you just hear I hear new things um, you know you see new things in the artwork you hear new things in the music and listening to this on really good pair of headphones I bought in Japan last year uh, or got from from Japan um, man what a re- revelation like there this is absolute oral ple- oral <laughs> pleasure um, it is a gutsy ballsy risky eclectic unabashed pure unadulterated uh, perf- virtually perfect piece of art piece of art and recording and I mean even the recording it's recorded so well it's mixed so well it's arranged so well except I, for Bernie sitting on the mono button on the end of America <laughs> the more the more and more you know I've really as a Prince fan I have really slept on this album in the sense that I listen to it from time to time and it's always been a favourite but he's got so much material so you know you're constantly chopping and changing but it hasn't been until I listened to this for this review a few times that I've really grown. My appreciation for this has grown, and I, I kind of get the impression that you guys have as well. Um, and this is becoming one of my favorite Prince albums. I mean, I, I just can't get around it. It, it just spe- it shows so much color and so much so much depth and eclecticism. You just reminded me of it's one thing. Because 9.5 the, out of 10. Because, 9.5. Hmm. Because this album, the, the artwork and the covers, there's so much colour. A lot of people describe the album as being colourful. Yeah, I was thinking of that when I was but reviewing it. And I thought totally, if, it was, hmm. if this had a black cover, a black everything, would hmm. everyone still be saying how colourful the album was? Probably not. It's a really... It's, but they're, yeah, they're, they're, so, they're so linked. Album. Yeah. Yeah, they're so linked together, though. They are. Yeah. I, and I agree with what you're saying. It's not necessarily inherent with the music, but... Yeah, yeah. I'll just finish up by saying um, I'm a big fan of short um, concept albums, um, and this one really does fit the bill. Um, you know, it's only forty something minutes long. It's got a theme. The themes run all the way through the album. Every song sounds like it should be there, um, and I, and I think that's what I really liked about Lotus Flower as well. A similar thing. Completely different concepts, but the, I like the consistency throughout the album, and this one definitely has that consistency even though they are somewhat strange songs. It's funny you should bring up Lotus Flower because I'm just thinking off offhand, do you guys remember what rating you guys I all gave the Lotus Flower disc, just the actual main Lotus Flower disc? I, think I, gave I don't nine. think I gave anything over a 9. I think it was 8.5 or 9. I'm pretty I sure I gave it a 9 as well. So I, I think mean, you gave one of them a 10, if I remember. 
Yeah, unlikely. Nine and a half maybe, or maybe, ten, I'm sure. Maybe a nine and a half for Lotus Hour. But, mm. I, I mean, look at those scores. And, you know, we, we, we know bull on this show. We just tell it like it is from our opinion, you know. And that's a big, not only a big, um, a big call and a big statement and a reflection of how great Around the World in the Day is, but compare our scores on this album to Lotus Flower. That says a lot about the strength of material 25 years later Prince is producing or did produce in 2009 I think that's a well that's actually that's where I got my eight and a half from because I knew I, I thought I gave Lotus Flower nine I thought well they're both probably equally as good but Lotus Flower I'd probably play more just because it's probably a little bit more generic like in terms of song structure etc yeah wow I was like taking a day to review <laughs> crazy Thank you. 